episode 80-something-something something of The Feminine Critique. I'm Emily. With me. Somebody's with me. Guess who it is? It's Christine. Yay! Yay. Christine, welcome back. Uh, you did not have to suffer through the stocking stuffers as I did. I mean, you did that to yourself. Oh, no. I, I take full responsibility. <laughs> I've, I, I have never denied that I sometimes abuse myself with movies. And this was very true of, of December. Um, but now I'm back in the real world where apparently I watch uh, dark, artsy movies along with talking dog movies. That's – I think that really encapsulates us as people. Apparently. Now, what are we covering today? We are covering, was it, is it 1995? I think it's 1995. Safe. I'm very uh, deliberate about the year because sometimes it's hard to find this movie if you don't know the year. There are other movies called Safe. That's very true. One of them, I think, has Jason Statham in it. You might be right about that. This one does not. Spoiler (laughs) alert. Jason Statham does not show up. But oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. What other young, hot actor Christine shows up in Safe? He was not young and hot. But, but, I mean, he was younger than he is now. So, patron saint from the show, apparently, James LaGrosse. Okay, yes. Well, here's the thing. I've always said James LaGrosse because I assume that you don't pronounce the S. And I listened to the commentary on Safe and Todd Haynes and Julianne Moore said, James LaGrosse. So whether he pronounces it that way or whether I just pronounce it the same way as Julianne Moore, I feel like either way, we're going to stick with James LaGrosse. Okay, I don't know. I just like to say it. Well, uh, yeah, it's been, like, way too long since he's shown up in a movie. And usually what happens is once he shows up, he'll keep showing up. So we haven't talked about what we're doing next, but I'm pretty sure it's going to somehow involve James LeGros. Oh, well, we can only hope. I was I saw his name come up in the opening credits, and I went, oh, Emily's going to love this. I got so excited. Uh, and what is the other movie we're going to cover? Um, Santa Buddies. Santa Buddies. Not Snow Buddies. Not the Buddies movie where a whole bunch of puppies died. We did the responsible one, which is a sequel to both Snow Buddies and Santa Paws, right? Okay, wait. What did? Which one did you just say? Snow Snow Buddies. Okay, Snow Buddies is the one where, according to the internet, it's all the puppies died. Yeah, many puppies died while bringing uh, Snow Buddies to the world, which is just terrible. Which is very sad. We did not watch Snow Buddies. I started watching Snow Buddies and then thought, wait, I think I'm watching the wrong movie. So this is very confusing and I don't want to get too, I mean, actually, who who the fuck cares when we talk about it? So (laughs) Zach says to me, he says, hey, this is a sequel, an indirect sequel to the Air Bud franchise. And I said, shut your fucking mouth. We're not even talking about this. You're a liar. (laughs) Um, And I, I said, and this is, the movie had just started. And I said, well, it, well, this is this is like a prequel to Santa Paw, the search for Santa Paws, which he watched with me, and he said that's that's great. But I'm telling you, it's a sequel to the it's in the Air Bud franchise. And I said, it's no not possible. I know Air Bud. I know what Air Bud looks like. <laughs> Air Bud's older. The, yeah, Santa. The search for Santa Paws didn't have an Air Bud looking dog in it. It had no dogs like that. It was about an orphan. Like I watched the movie. This not it's not connected. So of course after. Um, the Wikipedia was brought up and read to me in a condescending voice, I did realize that, yes, this is 
um, a part of the Airbud franchise. So, and Search for Santa Paws is too. So this, these fucking movies diverged into a whole nother movie with none of those stupid Air Bud dogs in them. I was going to say, I imagine that the Wikipedia entry for the Air Bud franchise has to be longer than the Game of Thrones one. It's so fascinating. Yeah. I, I got really into it. Well, because Air Bud... Cause like, cause... Keep going. Oh god! Oh, I was gonna. Oh god! Where'd you go? We were both being too. Uh, we're both nice. like stopping, waiting for the other one to continue. <laughs> um, I didn't realize the Airbud universe was such a rich tapestry. Vast, vast. I knew that there were the, those buddies movies, and if you had said all those buddy movies were tied to the air, those the Airbud movies, I would be like, yeah, all right. But then when you introduce Search for Santa Paws, mm-hmm. and then there's a Santa Paws two. Now it's like a whole different fucking thing. I assume Santa Paws 2 came before this one because we have a young Santa Paws uh, or like we have Santa, we have Puppy Paws who is Santa Paws' son, which means at some point he had to knock up a dog, which I assume happened in Santa Paws 2. Really? I thought it was, this was before them all. No, because where else does Paws come from? Well, because here's the pa- thing, too. The paws of Santa Paws doesn't have a dad. He's a stuffed animal that comes to life. Yeah, I think they, they, they might have massaged it a little bit because the Santa Claus in that movie is also George Went. And Santa Claus in Search for Santa Paws is not. In this, right. So part, you think part two took place before, well, after on. part one and that this is a prequel to oh my god this is complicated i think i think it is i could be wrong i've been known to be wrong before <laughs> clearly have zach look it up He's oh that. man he i i got insulting too <laughs> it's uh, you know i feel like one could probably if one went to college one could minor in the buddies franchise and become like a uh, you know, kind of literary expert or um, scholar on these because they're complicated. There's so many of them. Mm-hmm. Airbud plays every sport out there, and then yep. he has puppies, and the puppies play apparently a lot of sports and save holidays constantly. It's it's and then cross they, over into other. They ones. get into some shit. I'm trying to think of like what would be the equi- like if there's any other film franchise that's kind of an equivalent. I feel like that's in a hilarious. way the confusion of where X Men fits into the Marvel universe kind of, kind of maybe, maybe. I don't know, man. It's it's crazy. It's, it's mind bending. Maybe that's why I have a headache today. I was thinking about the buddies movies. <laughs> so those are the movies we're going to cover. They are a natural oh, double yeah. bill. Uh, before we get to that, my lady, what will, uh, first of all, I want to say another thank you to Mike DeGrazia for, uh, being interviewed by me and putting up with my many questions about what it means to make a poster for Asylum movies. So am I an asshole and missed that getting put up? I just put it up on Monday. We're recording on Thursday or put it up on Tuesday. I've been trying to stay away from the Facebook because okay. it it makes me angry. So I, I might I understand it maketh many a peopleeth angrieth. Yeah, I might have missed it, but I I want to listen to that show well, because I want to hear feed. all this. I want to hear all the stuff. I'm, I'm a commercial for my own show. I can't wait to listen. God, <laughs> it is um, uh, it is on the feed, so you can download it. I'm gonna do it. Yeah. 
All right. So now right. that now that our own advertising for ourselves is out of the way, Christine, what have you been watching between Christmas and this new year that we have now? I watched a lot of stuff, but I'm going to try to go through it because I don't want to take away all the time that we're going to talk about dogs. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know if I said it the last time we talked, but I watched all of Westworld. Okay, I did too. I, I finished it by the time I – so I'm caught up. Let's talk. Okay. Well, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. Um, I have such a lukewarm feeling about it. It's tough for me to recommend it to people. Um but like there were some good things in there. There's a lot of re- the. Ca- I mean, the cast is so oh, good, I know. and they're given really cool things to do, and and the women get a lot of cool things to do. Yeah, um, but I didn't. I don't think I liked it. See, I I liked the show. I didn't love the show. I liked it. I remember we talked about briefly about it last time, and you you made a point that is so true, which is that it suffers from the Nolanisms. Mm-hmm. And I figured out what really bugged me by the last episode. I'm like, you know what the problem is? The problem is this show has it all. The show has a fantastic cast. They have a lot of money behind it. They have a great look for the show. Yeah. They have great a great cast. And they have a great story. It's fucking Westworld. You're living in a near future where we're that advanced that we've made robots that can do all this shit. That's awesome. That's a story right there. Why does the show feel the need to fold everything up in time and make everything a mystery? And here and there, there there was one or two reveals that were kind of cool. But the big reveal, or a few of the big reveals, felt like... You didn't have to make that a reveal. You could have just done that from the beginning. And it would have been just as exciting, if if not more so, because I wouldn't have been distracted trying to figure out what it meant or what the twist was when the twist is just not... It felt very twisty for the sake of being twisty. Mm -hmm. I can agree with that. Yeah. And when, like, there's a lot to it that it can be really fun, too, and it's not embracing that yet. Um... And even like, and it really, and I get, well, no, it's not going to because the whole point is, you know, sure, humans can play around as cowboys, but then when they're really raping and shooting people, it's not fun for everyone. But like the show never let you have fun to begin with, you know? Yeah. And I think that's something about the movie that, the, and the movie's a mess. I, I, people love the movie. I love the concept of the movie and I love you, Briner, in the movie, but I think the movie is just a ball of potential that could have been done better. Um, but the one thing that I did think of that was missing that the movie had was that sense of joy in the beginning of like, oh shit, how cool is it that we're doing this? Mm-hmm. And you never get that because they don't start that way. So then by the time they get to that, you just feel dirty. Yeah, I think yeah. that's, I mean, it's really accurate. I Again, I like struggle to recommend it to people. And I know a couple people that, that watched the first episode and kind of felt lukewarm on it, mm-hmm. like I had. But I mean, I went back just out of morbid curiosity. And I'm glad I did because there was really good performances. Yeah. And it was great to see. I mean, it was a pretty diverse cast. Very much, yeah. Which was nice. But like, ooh, I don't know. I, I, I don't... I, I, I'm not over the moon for it like some mm-hmm. people are. But there was a point in it that I was reminded of The Truman Show. So I rewatched The Truman Show. Ah, okay. I really love that I was movie. I ask you how that holds up. It's been a while since I've seen that. So I watched it and I there was a point in Westworld and I was like, huh, Westworld reminds me of The Truman Show. I'm going to write an article about this. Ooh. See if there's something there. And then I watched... Truman Show and I realized that they're not like as similar as I thought but what Truman Show is actually about is the movie about gaslighting mm. because the entire time Truman's like 
something's up. So, something's happening. Yeah. This doesn't seem right. What are you doing? This doesn't seem right. And the whole time, everyone's like, no, it's fine. Just stop it. Yeah. Just enjoy your life. Come on. You don't want it's anything else. It's all good. Don't look over it's, there. Don't look over there. It's really disturbing to watch it through through that lens. Yeah, like, that's one of my biggest fears in life, and I made my husband promise me he'd never do it. I'm like, if you, you know, if you need to kill me or, like, get me out of the picture to, like, I don't know, get my money or get my inheritance that I don't have, <laughs> that's fine. Like, just do it, but don't you dare make me think I'm going crazy. Yeah. Oh, that's a ter- uh, terrible, terrible thing to do to somebody. That's a fair thing to make someone promise. But yeah. it was on Hulu. So if you're ever in the urge, I, I, I really like it. I've always liked it. I liked it the first time mm-hmm. I saw it. And I think it is interesting in this climate. It kind of reads a little yeah, bit Yeah, I could see that almost being kind of the way a lot of people have, because I guess it's the 10-year anniversary. A lot of people have been talking about ch- children of men, which yeah, I love, yeah. but I'm very reluctant to go back to because I'm like, it's going to be really hard to watch that right now. Yeah, it was a bummer. I mean, it, it upset me quite a bit the mm-hmm. first time I watched it. Yeah. Um, so I could imagine it probably would this time too. Um, a, a movie that upset me for different reasons is um, a movie called Daddy's Home. Daddy's Home. <laughs> Ooh, this sounds fun. No, it's not. It's um, Mark Wahlberg. Oh, and, and uh, Will Ferrell. It's so. I remember funny. seeing the trailers and thinking this movie looks so mean that it's, it is. Yeah, You're exactly right. Yep. It, yep. Yep. It's mean and worthless. Don't that's, bother. That's kind of what I gathered from them. I'm, I'm glad they didn't missell it. <laughs> you got what you got. Um, I don't know. Morbid curiosity on that, I guess. Um, Suicide Squad I rewatched because I bought it on Blu-ray and it's still the best movie in the world ever. <laughs> um, I went to the theater and saw Collateral Beauty. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Is it as awful as everybody has been saying? Oh. oh. It's not good, but a lot of movies aren't good. I, I guess I like the reviews I read. Bad. Okay, the it, Village Voice had an epic review of it that like just went through all the plot because that's mm-hmm. that movie and Passengers when they came out. Like there was a lot of talk about these movies that are hiding their plot. In I the saw trailers. Passengers, passengers <laughs> was way worse. Okay, well, <laughs> oh, yeah, Passengers seems like it's going to piss me off, but. That how, like, both of them seem to have this, like, convoluted plot that they realize, oh, shit, if we put that in the trailer, nobody's going to buy a ticket to our movie. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think that the the advertising for Collateral Beauty was a little bit more um, transparent. Okay. Like, I, and it was, it wasn't like, not, I'm not patting myself on the back, but, like, it's, you can see it coming from a mile away. Right, like, right. The thing you think the movie's going to do, it does. Okay. And then when you think, is it going to do the other thing? It does. <laughs> it does all the things you think it's going to do. Um, I like Keira Knightley. I, I love Keira Knightley. At this yeah. point, we'll like lay down in, in front of a bus for Will Smith, I think. like I just really enjoy him. Um, there's Hel- this- it's a Helen Mirren, right? Yeah, Helen Mirren's in it. Um, uh, and Ed Norton's in it more than I would like. Oh. He's in it a lot. And uh, uh, but it, it's a, it's a weird movie, and it's a very ensemble movie. It's not Will Smith's movie. Okay. Um, I don't know. It's weird, but to say that it's as bad as I guess people were attacking it to say it's that bad, I don't. I don't. Yeah, think it, it that definitely bad. became the like December punching bag. Yeah, I wouldn't. I'm. There's worse things out there. There is a bit like so. Will Smith's character is dealing with grief, and I have no indication that he was an autistic man before he was dealing with his grief, but that seems to be the way it was chosen to be played. Like, he's grief-stricken and also autistic now. It was really... It was really <laughs> I that happens. It was a strange turn, but um, 
I think you would be fascinated by it. Yeah, when, like, it, when it comes on instant, I'm di- I'm oh, digging in. You're definitely gonna because yeah. it's like a one step up um, kind of Hallmark movie. Yeah, it's so saccharine and nice. so bizarre, and it's interesting for sure. But I don't know how it's watering. Goes. <laughs> you're, you're gonna love it um, <laughs> so this isn't my recommend but it, i recommend it it's a movie called the broken and it's on hulu and it's got lena hetty in it Ooh, it's a strong heavy recommend have for I me have seen this or have i just had it on my queue and then it it's m- about went off it's about crazy mirror people no, I think it used to be on Netflix Instant, and I had it on my queue, and then it went off. So, yeah, we just watched it on a whim, because I said, like, yeah, Lena Headey's in it. It looks pretty good. And it was fucking great. Cool. So, um, I can't remember what High Crimes was. I think it was Ashley Judd. I hated it. Oh, um, yeah, isn't that one of the uh, the um, Patterson movies? Yeah, you know what? I think it was the only one I've never seen. Okay. And it was so bad. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't watch it. Um, Batman Returns because it was the holidays. Um, <laughs> it's my favorite Christmas movie. Oh. Um, documentary called Kumare. It's a, a documentary where the dude pretends to be a guru. Okay. Do you know anything I about don't this know anything one? about this. No. So we we we're always looking for cult documentaries. Oh God, yeah. And this one is about a dude who pretends to be a guru and, like, people follow him and stuff. But, like, they don't know that he's just kind of faking. Okay. It was on instant. Eh, it Pretty was good, good too. Yeah. Um, Zach made me rewatch They Live. Not that you have to make me rewatch it. Mm-hmm. I just, that's not my, that's to me not my favorite Carpenter, so. Fair. It's been too long There's- since I've watched that, though. You should definitely watch it. Yeah. There are some very boring parts. <laughs> what, the 17-minute fight scene? Not even that. Like, that at least is amusing. I don't know. There's just a lot of walking in that movie. Um, <laughs> we watched Die Hard because it's, it's the Christmas. holiday. Yeah. Um, we rewatched Neighbors 2 because I bought the Blu-ray, and I think it's one of the best movies of the year. Okay. And I wrote something about it that has yet to be published. Oh, well, when it but- will be published, where will it be published? Um, uh, film, film School Rejects. I'll put it, I'll actually go on the Do it. Facebook put it on there. Internet. Yeah, it's about Neighbors 2 and how it handles rape culture. I really think you would like that movie. Man. I, I need to see the first one, don't I? Yeah, kind of. Okay. The first one's not as good. All right. Um, watched a documentary about mail-order brides. Well, they're not really mail-order brides. That's a derogatory term. About people that are looking for love in different countries called Love Me. It was pretty good. Peer into that kind of thing. Sounds like it might be a little sad. It was kind of sad. Went to the theater and saw Rogue One. Me too. Hi, it's Emily. Jumping in with a spoiler warning because Christine and I started talking about Rogue One. One thing led to another. And we spend the next eight minutes or so going pretty detailed into plot and things that happen. So if you have not seen the film and do not want to hear a discussion about it, uh, skip ahead to probably about the 29-ish minute mark, 30-minute minute-ish mark, and then you should be good. Sorry about that, folks. Enjoy. Um, I don't have that kind of relationship with Star Wars movies. Which it makes me even more curious to, to know what you thought of it. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I think it was... So I have the opportunity to see the new ones like everyone else does. I'm not playing catch-up for all of my life. Right, To right. try to, to get to where everyone else is with these movies. Um, 
that other one that could do, the the real Star Wars movie that came out the whose Force name Awakens. I can that one <laughs> the Force Awakens that one I had more fun with but this is a better movie okay I think that's a fair assessment um but it was I liked it I had I didn't walk out like grumpy or fe- feeling like I wasted my time mm-hmm. like I thought it was good oh what's his face uh Riz Ahmed Jesus Christ he was I'm the pilot, in love with, right? Yes, I'm in love with him. <laughs> He's great. He's so amazing. Now, let me ask you, if you saw what I saw, were you convinced that Donnie... Because I, watching the movie at one point, I'm like, maybe oh, I, I missed, a, missed a line where they said they were brothers. Uh-huh. Because to me, if not brothers, it felt so specific that they were absolutely in love with each other. They were absolutely in love with each other. And the when it... so. I could see myself maybe kind of inventing that narrative. I mean, who knows? But what really, really cinched it for me was when um, the way that that his death scene was treated. Um, I, I, I believe Donnie and dies first, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll put oh, a spoiler, spoiler before we say this, but don't worry. Twenty Whatever. minutes making a note. Okay, uh, um, but yeah, no the. Um, like he looks back and it's like, but no one else's death. It's very like much. That. I have nothing else to live for. It, that's a war movie. That's a straight up war movie, yeah. and no one else's death is getting treated like that. Yep. Like the, with the like the the sense of loss mm-hmm. and the the lingering like shot of just like oh yeah the way he takes that death is i haven't once he is gone i have nothing i am going to complete what what you were doing and then i'll join you yeah and i mean even the line you know i don't need the force i have you if you if one of those actors was female in that movie i think it wouldn't even be a question you just totally have assumed they were together and i loved that and i thought and i I mean i i really loved rogue one i did not care for cgi peter cushing i don't like oh no that i don't like the morality behind that i don't like that this man never agreed to do this movie and this man didn't give that performance and may have made different actually choices and i think morally i do have problems with that um less so because it's a star wars movie i know if this was any other movie i think i would have been really really angry but because (laughs) it's star wars i forgive it a little bit uh but I did love it. I loved the pacing of it. I loved the fact that it did feel, it felt in the Star Wars universe, but it didn't feel like a Star Wars movie. And I actually really like that. Yeah. Um, I, I did. I do too. Because like it, it's, it's more accessible yeah. for just a rando like me. Like I get, like I, un- I understood a lot of the references and a lot of like the, the things, like you didn't mm-hmm. have to explain certain things to me, but like, it's nice to feel like, you you don't have to have everything like, this doesn't, deep relationship and everything doesn't have to mean something yeah and yeah. i think that's a problem a lot with these like big cinematic universes is that oh every reference you know people are sitting there marking them down and trying to figure out what they mean and i loved that this was purely self-contained mm-hmm. and sure we might see these characters in the han solo prequel or whatnot but that because as soon as Felicity Jones was cast, everybody was all, "Oh, she must be Ray's mother," because that would make sense. And I had read things saying, kind of priming people for Rogue One, saying, and the biggest question was, "Does this have any effect on the rest of the universe?" And it was, "No, this is a self-contained movie." And I'm like, "Bullshit! It's gonna not." And then you yeah. watch it, you're like, "No, it's done. They're all dead." Yeah, it's you know, 
that we we just now know this little backstory of this one little thing that's obviously a much bigger thing, which is great. Yeah, and the, the and like the concept was great, and I love the um that it's you know the, this the there's so much like un to me like a great sign of a movie is when I want more of it, mm-hmm. and I feel like with this one like I could have watched a movie just about Mads Mikkelsen spending oh, time which yeah. i mean you can say that about anything with mads mickelson but i could have watched a movie about him living on the death star for 15 years having to work for the devil and just knowing he's you know finding this one way that maybe has this tiny percentage of a chance to work uh like that's a great concept and like there was so much to it where i wanted more from everyone and i think that was and i know then some people have said oh well they were underdeveloped and the pilot was underdeveloped we never know why he left the empire doesn't matter it doesn't like i got enough to know okay well something made him leave and yeah. now i'm totally invested in this character you know i've heard similar kind of like criticisms about it like i we, they weren't full like you said they weren't fully formed characters or um they needed to do more work to make us care mm-hmm. but i don't Thing? I don't understand what because those so, are the same people that would have complained if it was a two-hour, forty-five-minute Star Wars like, movie where everybody, everybody got and everybody got in. So this is what I don't get. You got a movie like Suicide Squad where everybody gets an intro and yeah. you're like, this is too much. Everybody doesn't need an intro, and then everyone's like, we don't need another origin story. I don't want to know where how Peter Parker becomes mm-hmm. Spider-Man again. And then you give them this, which is exactly that. It's, it's surely, just yeah, a bunch of people that start doing stuff, yep. and they're like. Oh, these people, we need to know why they're doing yeah, these why, things. Yeah, what happened to Diego Luna to make him so bitter? Well, we know he grew up under a regime, and he's had to do things he's not proud of in order to fight it, and now he's now he's at a point where he's wondering if maybe he was doing the wrong thing in doing those things. I got it! I don't need to know every what happened to his mother, and what happened, you know, where he grew up, and all that. Like, I don't get what you want if you're going to complain about both things. Yeah, I completely understand, but I thought it was really well executed, and um, the, honestly, the, the stuff with, is, is her name Ray? Is that what her name was? Uh, no, no Ray in The Force Awakens, and this Force one Awakens. it was uh, Felicity Jones. Yeah, that one. The, yeah. the, nice, the nice pretty lady in yeah. this movie. She, I even said at one point, oh, I think they, they could have just removed a lot of her backstory, and just... Yeah. But I understand, like, they have to have a narrative. I think there is still um, something. The syndrome I don't like is the everybody has a daddy issue, for one thing. Yeah. Or, and or the every person, every hero in a movie is a hero because of something having to do with their parents. Yeah. Uh, And that's why I've I've said my biggest hope for the Star Wars movie, for the future ones, is that Rey turns out to be a nobody, that her parents aren't anybody we know they were just people and she is just this gifted brave young woman who has the ability to use the force not because of her heritage but just because of who she is and movies don't do that it's always has to do with oh your father blah 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 you don't know this but you were adopted by blah 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 and even this one kind of like you just you didn't need her to be the daughter of this guy you didn't need these daddy issues um but it's fine, and I feel like they need – because it is a lot of shorthand, and maybe they did need to do that just because they are still going for a broad audience. Because, mm-hmm. like, the first five minutes of this movie, I went to see it um, with my in-laws, my, my mother-in-law, who's seen the Star Wars movies but not 
like not the same way most people like people like us have you know the first like five ten minutes she's like i'm a little confused i'm like it's okay i don't know any more than you do um (laughs) but the way it moves it's very quick it's very you know and you don't they don't give you any introductions to anybody and i guess the okay this is clearly the daughter now she's grown up i think those things maybe you did need just for um storytelling some kind of context to to, like ground the story somewhere yeah i i get that yeah um, but yeah, I I loved it. I was really happy with it. Yay! I figured you had seen it. Yeah, yeah, I had. I had to wait like a week, and it was, and if people kept like trying to talk to me about it, I'm like, shut up, shut up. But, um, yeah, I, we didn't go until, geez, maybe like New Year's Eve. Wow. Okay. Um, it was it kept being too busy and like. Sure. Like the the theaters itself, and I don't. Uh, we live across the street from a movie theater, and I don't like to leave more than like ten minutes before. <laughs> and I was just like, man, we'll wait until it's maybe calmed down a little bit, cooled reasonable. out. Very reasonable. Yeah. Well, I only have like two more. Um, the last movie I watched of 2016 was Breakdown. Is that um, the Kurt Russell one? Yeah, I love that movie. Wow. I, I've seen parts of that. I've never watched a beginning to end. I don't know. I'm fascinated by it. I love movies about trucks. Like, like <laughs> Maximum Overdrive? Hell yeah. I, I'm i not kidding because Zach tried to test me on this and we're, we're talking about it and I'm like, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> I like movies about 18-wheelers. I like Black Dog. I like Duel. Mm-hmm. I like movies about 18-wheelers. It's my favorite genre that I didn't know was my favorite genre. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Netflix should do a category on that for you. It's weird. But yeah, I don't know. That was streaming somewhere too, I think. Maybe Hulu? Oh, you know what it was? I watched that on New Year's Eve and all the like all the Hulu movies were like, This goes away in two hours. Oh boy. Like, oh god, no, they're all gone. Three different screens running. (laughs) So I was like, I pick you, breakdown. And I watched that. Um Saw Passengers in the Theater. I'm writing something about that now. Oh, I can't wait to read it. It made me so the thing about collateral beauty, like that Passengers is worse than that movie to me because Collateral Beauty didn't make me mad. Passengers personally offended and enraged me. Everything I, – I know a lot about it now just because I was curious because people were talking about it. Um, mm-hmm. So I like know what happens and man, uh, you should read – have you read any like interviews with the – uh, writer and director. No, I have not. I'll point I you towards one. The B Movies podcast um, did an interview with the screenwriter, and he doesn't get it. Like he doesn't. He ashamed, he's he, not ashamed of himself. He does not get the ire at that at that character choice, and I found that fascinating. Yeah. So the thing that people know about that apparently is a thing, like I didn't know either, and then I found out like before we saw it and Zach was like it's not a it's not a it's not I'm not spoiling it it's not a twist it's right, literally it's like, happens, it's like, right literally in the plot yeah it's the trailers the, just didn't show it I think because they realized ooh, this might piss people off and so I thought like oh well maybe it's not that bad but it is as bad as yeah. you would think and it is as gross and insulting as yeah. you think it would be and like my whole thing is it's if it had been a different movie like that's fine like characters do icky things and bad things happen and not everyone's great but this is a movie about love and heroes that's not something a heroic person does in the name of love (laughs) yeah and it's a shame and that's another thing i've heard is everybody's like and it's a shame because the actor because it's two actors that everybody loves and they're good it's just their character their one character is despicable 
It's a it's a bummer. Um, Andy Garcia is in it for like a second and a half. It's the funniest thing in the world. Oh, weird, yeah. Did not know that. Yeah, and then I watched Double Jeopardy last night because that's another movie I have a weird fascination with. Y- you and your Ashley Judd, James Patterson. Adam- I don't know. It's not, is that James Patterson? I don't think that one is, but it's. I mean, it might as well be. <laughs> It's Tommy Lee Jones and Ashley Judd. Well, and it's the stupidest premise because it, like, it misunderstands double jeopardies. You can't be tried for the same crime that happened. Not, I, they, they arrested me because they thought I tried to kill you, but you're not dead. So I'm going to actually kill you and they can't arrest me this time. That's not how it works. (sighs) Oh, well. It's, they explain it like three different times too. (laughs) Well, you don't know what double jeopardy is, it's like and then they really say it's this thing, and I'm like, pretty, pretty sure it's not. not. Yeah. All right, that's all you got. That is all I have. That's a lot. That's a lot. Okay, I well, tried it's been a while. Sure, but it didn't work. Okay, that's, that's okay. Um, TV wise, the other TV thing I finished was Lady Dynamite on Netflix Instant. Oh, I couldn't get into it. Did you enjoy it? I loved it. Yeah. You know, I said started it like months ago and was enjoying it, but like wasn't driven to finish it and kind of stopped for a while. And then uh, now that Netflix has that thing where you can download movies on your phone, so you're not like always using your data. I've been doing a lot of TV that way. It's nice because you you don't feel like you have to not break it up and stuff. Um, And I, it's, it's, I think it's great. Um, She's fantastic. Uh, I find the show once I kind, of, especially when, like once my ear kind of got tuned to the language of that show in a way because it has you know it's yeah. doing filming in different times and kind of very Arrested Development e where it's it is playing with things that are kind of better watch when you're watching a few episodes at a time uh, and I just I found it I found it really funny but also very. Um, you know, sad and effective and honest um, and like honest in a way that I really respect and don't fully mm-hmm. like can't fully understand in a way. Um, Cause I mean, it's very much about this woman who is, who is bipolar and all the things that she deals with, except it's hysterical and it's not, doesn't make you feel bad, but it's, there's something about it that, that I feel um, like I'm given a window into something that I don't experience personally within myself, I guess. That sounded really huh, deep. That's interesting. Yeah. No, uh, no, it did, and it made me interested. Yeah, I mean, I and it's really funny. And there's pugs, and they, the pug eventually talks, and it's the greatest thing in the world when the pug talks. Uh, okay, so now into the movies that I watched. Um, one movie on Netflix Instinct called Bleed, uh, which was not good. Uh, but I will say for it, the actors were great. This was a case where the young cast was so good and the lead actress was really likable, really like just relatable, really good. And the movie just failed them all by being terrible. So that was a shame. Well, that's a bummer. Yeah, a little bit. I watched a movie today between yesterday and today called The Devil's Dolls, also on Netflix Instant, directed by the guy. You gave me this movie and I still haven't watched it. The Rites of Spring. It's the same director. Um, oh yeah. So this one I watched obviously because it was about like worry dolls, and it's it's okay. It's not bad. It has some good ideas. It does some cool things. But my God, it has the worst police work in any movie I've seen in a really long time. Like since Last House on the Left, worse. 
Like, this guy's supposed to be, like, a really good detective. And yet, like, two or three times in the movie, he's got, like, his gun on somebody who has, like, garden shears at somebody's throat, and they end up killing. Like, he can't not, he can't save anybody. Um, so it's kind of terrible, but it, it's not bad. He's terrible. Mm-hmm. In it, it's kind of terrible, it's, but it's not well, like, bad. if you're a police officer, I think you'd be very offended <laughs> by this movie, by the tactics <laughs> employed in this movie. Uh, Look, don't watch it if you're a police officer. Don't watch it, yeah. Um, a few movies I watched for, I think the audio ended up not quite working, but for the Mad, Bad, Downright Strange podcast, uh, Richard mm-hmm. and I had recorded an episode on Don't Open Till Christmas and Santa's Sleigh. So I rewatched <gasps> those. I fucking love Don't Open Till Christmas. It's so trashy and amazing. You've seen that, right? I have not. Ooh, I have. Should. I think you've recommended it to me before. I probably have. It's. I mean, it's on YouTube. Like, it's public domain. It's 1985, <laughs> I think. Uh, it's really sleazy and British uh, and fantastic. I love it. It's terrible. Um, Santa Slay, I liked it like six years ago when I watched it. I did not care for it this go around. It just felt very lean. Really? Yeah. Didn't age well for me. Just the jokes, like the idea is fine. Bill Goldberg's fine in it. Um, but the humor just feels really lazy and, and not funny. So that was a disappointing rewatch. Um, I didn't realize it was supposed to be funny. Oh, no. It's, I mean, it's a pure like horror comedy. Oh, here's Santa Claus. Oh, I didn't know that. Did you watch it? No, no, I've never seen it, but I, it's, it's, it lives in infamy because, um, Goldberg's in it. Right, right. I thought it's like the, the rest I thought of it meant that you sat down and watched no, 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 it and no. just thought you were watching a horror movie, not a horror comedy. I'm like, wow, that was not effective. Then. <laughs> no, I've definitely never seen it. I just I didn't think it was. I didn't know it was supposed to be like funny. Yeah, it's it's goofy and it's very <laughs> over the top, but I just don't think it's that funny. Uh, this was my classier watch, courtesy of Married with Clickers, covered this movie a few months ago, and I, I thought, that sounds really interesting. This was Storm Warning from 1950-something with Doris, Doris Day uh, and Ginger Rogers and Ronald Reagan. Um, it is about a... That's interesting. It's, oh, yeah. It's, the, it's I guess the second time I've seen Ronald Reagan in a movie. The first time where he's not talking to a monkey. Um in this one is Ginger Rogers goes to visit her sister who lives in the South. She witnesses the Klan murder somebody and then has to deal with whether to testify against the Klan in a Southern town or not. Um, again, sad, but weirdly timely when you watch that now, because apparently the Klan is still a thing. Um, pretty good. Uh, pretty, pretty good movie. And I was uh, telling Scott how I'm, I don't always take a chance on dramas from the from that era just because i a lot of times i'm a little bored by them but this one yeah. was pretty brief and kept my interest and was just kind of about a different time and place but interesting to see in that lens um another classier watch this this movie would be my instant watch recommend except i have one that's like mind-blowing uh and this <laughs> one which was really good well i finally got to karen kasama's the invitation Oh, okay. I, I thought it. you had seen it. No, I I kept meaning to. I don't know why. 
Yeah. Well, probably because I kept saying I wanted to watch it, and then I wanted to watch it because I kept hearing people talk about it, and then I couldn't like listen to them talk because I didn't want it spoiled for me. Um, so I finally watched it. We got through that, um, and I loved and it. And you lo- loved it. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Did it so good? It's so good. And I- it's one that when I was watching, like I was into it. I was absorbed. It was great. And mm-hmm. it ended, and I'm like, okay, I'm like that was really good. And the more I thought about it, and the more I thought about some of the decisions made in that movie and some of the the way some of that tension was created and things that I was focusing on mm-hmm. and not focusing on, I was like, wow, that was a brilliantly made movie. Uh, it, it, I think it, it is – I feel like if I were to sit down and watch it again, I would enjoy it even more because um, I think there is so much uh, that she is doing with, you know, unreliable narrator or with your mm-hmm, – mm-hmm. you know, with kind of – directing the audience to be suspicious or then to feel silly about being suspicious. It's a really brilliant, um, it's a really brilliant job of manipulating the audience, I think. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's great. I agree. It's so good. Uh, it is on instant watch. Everybody should watch it. It is my bonus recommend. I'll, I'll do that. Cause when I get to my, my oh. recommend, I'm so excited. Yeah. I second that. Everybody should see it. I think I'm going to rewatch it too. Cause it's been a while now. Yeah, it's so good. Um, my first movie of 2016, because I'm really classy. Last year, I started with a Lifetime movie. This year, I did not. I started with a cannibal movie. Um, Jesse Franco's White Cannibal Queen. I think this is might also be Mondo Cannibale. It has like 12 different titles. It's terrible. Uh, it's It's really bad. But it did have my favorite line so far of the year, which is, my wife was a victim of cannibalism. Which I just really like the phrasing of that line. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had a good um, double night where we decided to revisit movies from the 80s that destroyed people's childhoods. So we started with Return to Oz, which is a movie I love and have not watched in a while. My husband had mm-hmm. never seen it. Um, I have never seen it. You've never seen Return to Oz? Still never that seen shocks it? That Yeah, me. I don't know. I'm not like... I'm not on strike against it. No, I know. I know, like, you're not, like, a huge Wizard of Oz person. I just assumed, like, it seemed like something you would have seen over the years. No, I know. Because it's, it's, like, gotten such a cult reputation of, you know, kind of, like, our generation acknowledging, like, what the fuck did people think that we wanted to see when we were five years old? Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Yep. But, man, I I mean, I'm a huge Wizard of Oz fan. We know that. Uh, And I love this movie. It is dark and weird. It is so... And it really is, like, as much as um, it gets thrown around a lot of, like, oh, this movie was so, so strange for... No, it really is fucking weird. Um, The, like... Because I kept pausing it and, like, turning to Bran and being like, wait, so Jack Pumpkin, like... Pumpkinhead, like, the first thing he asked Dorothy is if his head is rotting. Like, his head's gonna rot. He's gonna, his brains are gonna rot right in front of us, and he's gonna die, and it's gonna be awful. And, like, the wheelers, who thought that was a good idea for a kid's movie? Um, oh, hey, how about we just have a, our, our minor villain is a woman who, who takes heads off and threatens to take Dorothy's head off when she grows up and is pretty. It's a fucking weird movie, but I love it. Um, if you're wondering how it plays to people today, my three-year-old niece apparently loves the movie and loves the Wheelers. So who, maybe she's just braver huh. than all of us. Uh, Interesting. I've heard that it's disturbing for sure. It, I, I, Yeah, I mean, it, it opens with Dorothy is going to get experimental electroshock therapy 
in order to cure her of her memories of Oz. Like, that's how the movie opens. That's pretty dark shit. There is the, uh, what is it, the the death desert. This, like, there's a desert that, like, Dorothy's walking over. She's like, oh, you can't step in the desert because then you're going to get turned into sand and wither away forever. And later on, yep. we see a character do that. Like, we see a character fall in the sand and just turn to sand and go, that happens in this kid's movie. Uh, well, it sounds great. I love it. I absolutely love this movie, but it really is horrifying. Um, <laughs> the next night, we watched another movie by Disney Studios in 1985 that also was very um, controversial, and that was The Black Cauldron, the animated film. Have you also have it? not seen that. Yeah. No. We, I mean, we were both, neither one of us had seen it. I have always been curious because I know, you know, it is kind of infamously and not really correctly considered, oh, one of the movies that almost killed Disney's animated division. It really didn't. It was just one of the more disappointing releases of that era. And, you know, it, things wouldn't turn around to The Little Mermaid. Uh, so I was expecting pretty cool things from this one because I know some people really do love it. Uh, visually, mm-hmm. it's pretty neat. Like, and the the villain aspects are pretty intense. And I know they cut a lot out. Um, and I can see why people were were freaked out by it because the villain is scary. Yeah. Uh, the nature of what he's doing is pretty horrifying. The movie itself is okay. Um, it it it's tonally very confused. It feels like it's many different movies and so you have this really like cute goofy stuff with a talking creature that i did not find charming at all uh but then you have a zombie army being raised from the dead um and it's i don't know it's just not it's a lesser disney i think um then i did watch a few lifetime movies because i'm me one was called the wrong house this stars Mm -hmm. glory from season five of buffy um sold immediately her family moves into a house and it turns out another woman in the neighborhood wanted the house um but the other woman is crazy big surprise in a lifetime movie so she just starts plotting to like destroy their lives the problem with this one is the the family are so is so stupid like they Mm -hmm. know that somebody has been after them and is like um you know uh like planting rats in their house and calling like ordering all this pizza like, so they know somebody's fucking with them so then somebody posts posters saying that the husband is a sex, a sex offender and the wife is like tell me the truth are you a pedophile he's like no you know i'm not you know somebody's messing with us and she's like i just don't know who to believe anymore gee i don't know believe your husband not the person that's clearly messing with you so it's kind of frustrating because yeah. i just didn't i'm like i you know you can have stupid people in these movies but this is unreasonable Unlike the next Lifetime movie I watched, Mommy's Little Girl, uh, this one was amazing. So, obviously, it's about an evil child. Uh, Mm -hmm. But here's the thing about this movie. The evil child is so great. The little girl who's playing the kid is really good, really... um, She is giving a really layered, sympathetic performance, where, like, you feel for the girl, because she is, um, uh, like, you find out, like, she was abused and, like, had a really cool mm-hmm. grandmother who's still fucking with her and stuff. Um, but, you know, that doesn't really make up for her, you know, poisoning her teacher and taking away her EpiPen and all that stuff. Uh, this little girl does kill. She kill- I think her body count is two in the movie. Um, but it's, 
it's kind of good. Like the, the acting from this young actor is is really good and makes this movie something that you're totally into. And it it gets wacky, but it actually kind of pulls back in the end and ends on like this really like heartful note where you're not you're not just constantly like rooting for somebody to die. You're actually like, oh, I hope this little girl gets better. Um, so it's a it's a recommend. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Interesting. And, yeah. It's, it was on Lifetime, so it's hard to find, but if it ever turns up. Okay, I have two more. So one was I wanted something mindless while I was doing other things. And on Amazon Prime, I see that Terminator Genesis is on. So I watched Terminator Genesis. I think it broke my TV, the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, my, I don't know if this has happened to anybody out there, so technical assistance being requested. Um the, I turn. I'm watching it on Amazon, Amazon Amazon Prime on my Roku, and every like 20 minutes, my TV input is flipping to a different input. And when I go back to Amazon, it's saying something about like that something is out of date. But then I exit and went back in, and I kept and I was able to watch it. And this happened like five times in the movie, so I don't know if it was Skynet, um, or if it was unrelated, or if it was that this movie can't spell. Because it's really bothersome. Did you see this? No. Uh, I know people were really. Wait, which one is it? This is the one that just came out last year with Amelia Clark no, okay. and the guy from definitely something. Who? No, the, the guy from the thing. <laughs> the, guy from... the guy from the 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 guy. Oh, he was in Suicide Squad. He, I know him from Spartacus. He was um um he had blonde curly hair in Spartacus. Jai Courtney is that his name? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I don't. Wait, I always get so confused. Um, I don't think I saw this one. If I did, I clearly don't remember. So that says a lot. Okay. This one has John Connor turning into a Terminator. Mm, I maybe saw it and paid half attention. Yeah. It's forgettable. Um, yeah. I don't. I'm not like. Okay. So the first one is like really good and mm-hmm. the second one's really good. And then it's kind of like, oh, yeah. Why are we still here? You know, the Term- Terminator is a franchise. I want that franchise to be good. I want a fucking great Terminator movie because the first two of are course. so good in very different ways. The third one, I don't like. I like the ending of it, but that's it. Uh, the third one is batshit. It's so crazy and bad. Yeah. It's fascinating. My dad loves the third one. <laughs> I love your dad. The fourth one is the movie that I really wa- I pre- I convinced myself I liked it when I saw it in the theaters because I was so fucking excited because they were finally making a Terminator movie that was set post Skynet that was going to be set in the apocalypse and it had mm-hmm. start it had Christian fucking Bale and Michael Ironside and it had this amazing cast. And it just seemed like this is going to be it. This is going to be the Terminator movie I've always wanted. And I, w- and I went to the movies to see it. And I left the theater. I'm like, yeah, no, it was fine. It was fine. It had problems, but it was fine. No, guys, it was totally fine. No, 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 you're overthinking it. It was fine. And, like, I thought about it, like, a week later. I'm like, oh, man, that was a piece of shit. Uh, and, you know, so it, it's always had problems. The Sarah Connor Chronicles I enjoyed. So, like, there's a lot of potential. They just can't seem to get it right again. And this one, yeah. I didn't hate by any means. Granted, I didn't, you know, I wasn't paying for it. I wasn't sitting in a movie theater. Um, but, you know, I was sitting home watching it while I was cooking and doing other things. The leads have no chemistry. That Jai Courtney is just toast. Um, Amelia Clark, I really want to like, but I don't really like her in this. 
Um, Arnold, I, but yeah. I loved what they did with Arnold Schwarzenegger's character in this one. They made it about him getting old and somehow made that work in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when, I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger is somebody that when you use him correctly, he is a joy to watch. He's a movie star for a reason. And I feel like he was great in this. I was totally with it. I was with him. The convoluted time travel and stuff, I was okay with. It's fine. You know, I can deal with it. I just wish the there was more chemistry. I wish the there was a spark to it. And it, you only had the spark when you had Schwarzenegger on screen. So that was kind of a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I did. Looking at the IMDb, I do think I saw this, but I, I really don't yeah, remember Yeah, Courtney B. Vance is in it for like five, not even five minutes, and I don't really know why. Um, it's a lot of wasted stuff in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like the action scenes, some of them are pretty good, some of them are, but it's not, like, it's nowhere near Terminator 2, and even, like, Terminator 3 probably had better chase scenes and stuff. Um, yeah, so it's, like, it, I don't know, I don't think it's, if your expectations are low, it's an enjoyable way to pass the time while you do other things. So whatever kind of endorsement that is. <laughs> That's a nice watch. review. Yeah, you know, I like to be honest. Uh, and then the last movie I watched was originally one of the movies, thank God we didn't um, do Safe and the Seventh Continent, because that would have been a fucking depressing show. Uh, this is Michael mm-hmm. Haneke's first film, The Seventh Continent, which uh, I think I've talked about my feelings on Haneke is I watch his movies and I hate them. And I'm angry, and they're over, and I'm angry. But then a day later, I'm like, oh my god, that was brilliant. I get it. And But now that I'm like used to that, <laughs> with this one, I watched it thinking I was going to like totally hate it. But I watched it, and I'm like, oh, oh. And it was over. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. So I don't know if I'm evolving or what, but um, this is about a normal family in Austria living a normal life. And then one year later, they live their normal life on another day. And then one year later, they have another normal day. Only they decide, and I don't, I don't know if this is a spoiler, they decide to take dramatic action against their um, bourgeois lifestyle. And it's very intense. <gasps> um, yeah, this is depressing as anything. It, and again, it would have made like a terribly appropriate pairing with safe in many ways um but it also would have made mm-hmm. you want to um i don't know drive nails in your forehead uh but i loved it um i mean again not a movie you, or maybe it is a movie you'd pair with snow buddies because maybe you need the balance in life but if you want you need a, it if you need if you want a depressing european um family film about the helpless the the hopelessness of existence check out the seventh continent so that's what i've been watching Again, I like to keep things diverse. Keep it potpourri, if you will. Keep it Love it. Yeah. So now we're going to, as we take our break, um, which which are we coming for? You want to do the um, puppy movie first or the Julianne Moore is sad movie first? Um, let's do the puppy movie first. All right. We're going to take a break, come back, and talk about Santa buddies. Not snow buddies, not Santa paws. Santa buddies. There's my field, there's my cattle, there's my men. He won't his hand, hot spot, and his deadly coat. Don't want to hear no lip, just do what you told. Plug your chickens, scrub them pots and pans. You gonna churn that butter till it cramps. 
which is a sequel, maybe a prequel. We have no fucking idea of some form to both Santa Paws and the Buddies movie. Directed mm-hmm. by Robert Vince, who is a um, veteran of this genre. Uh, 2009. Much to say about this movie. Christine, why don't you start by telling people what happens in it? <laughs> um, I can't do it. These ones get very complicated. Okay, let me think back. So, I think this one is about God, but I don't know. Ooh. So, bear with me. So, there, as we saw, I'm just going to assume that everyone saw um, The Search for Santa Paws. But as we saw in The Search for Santa Paws, there's this weird, um, like, icicle crystal thing that can melt but it can also just look like a quartz stone on a dog's neck Mm -hmm. but either way the christmas magic is fading and i don't know why but is it global warming is it melting because of global warming do you think they're making a statement about global warming i thought they were making a statement about people's lack of faith and belief Mm. in god yeah that's also part of it well, both things uh, go together. Obviously, the reason the, the world is getting <laughs> that weather is all out of whack is because enough people don't believe in God. Yeah, no, that, that yes. fits. That fits. We got this. We got this. So, obviously, um, that's what it's about. But also, so there's not enough Christmas spirit and they can't fly the sleigh and like... Excuse me, everything's getting all fucked up, and everyone's all upset, and George went at Santa Claus, and he keeps making, like, really vague hand gestures, and it's just strange. <laughs> so, odd. there's there's Santa Paws, and he's, like, an old dog, and he's also fa- Father Dowling from Father Dowling Mysteries, right? Wasn't that him? Oh, my God, is that him? No. Maybe. I want to believe it was Either him. way. Either way. So, that dog has a puppy, and his name is Paws, puppy I guess. Paws, and he's puppy an Paws. asshole. I guess. So, yes, Puppy Paws is a dickhead. Mm -hmm. So, Puppy Paws, I don't know, he... Oh, he stowaways on um, Mickey from Seinfeld's mail truck. Also, Eddie the dog with the elf shoes is in this. Please, more comfortable in those shoes, by the way. He really... It it wasn't like it was. Yeah, in the first Um, movie, it looks like he's saying, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, every step he takes. In this one, he looks like, ah, I got this. It's fine. I'm used to it. Yeah, he was... He was really adorable in the, the, yeah. the search for Santa Paws. He's really, really cute, and I loved him. He was still cute in this, but we haven't gotten to the real headliner of this movie. <laughs> oh boy. Um, so he stows, stows away in the mail truck. He gets to some town that has a bad dog, and you're supposed to, like, know this dog from the other buddies' movies because there's these dogs, and they're they're the buddies. They're and the I buddies. guess they're I guess they're Airbud's kids, and one of them is a Buddhist, and his name is Buddha. I and one him. of it, me too. One of them is one of them is like I guess a fat jerk wearing well, he's football like a jersey. Well, his name is Butterball. He's like Just a fat. It. He, it's weird because it's like normally they give characters in kids movies one character trait, but he has two. He's fat and he's a jock. Yeah. It's very he's odd. not even that fat. He's just puppy sized. Right. And then there's Rosebud. She's the lady. She's a girl. That's her whole thing. She's a girl. She's she, beau. Yep. Her whole personality is that she is a gender. Yep. So that's how they're doing it in this That's movie. how they write these movies, people. This is why we need women in the writer's room. Um. Wait, there's more yeah, I feel like you forgot one. Did I write them somewhere? So, 
There's the Buddha. Rapper. Oh my god, how'd you forget the oh, rapper? B Dog. Um, probably on purpose because I fucking hate that dog. Yeah, B Dog B Dog's thing <laughs> is that he thinks he wants to be black. Uh, it's, it's it's really offensive. You would be surprised how offensive a puppy can be in a movie. It's a caricature of of like a whole I don't even know. It's, it's black just, appropriate. It's appropriation it's of black culture, so but from a fucking puppy golden retriever, and it really is upsetting. No need to do that. No, it's teaching kids. Like, cause now you're gonna have little white kids watching this movie who are gonna want to be like B Dog, and it's gonna be uncomfortable for everyone involved. So those dogs hang out not with Airbud. Airbud's not. If you're looking, if you've come here looking for Airbud, he's not. And here. I would like to say I was looking at the IMDb message boards, and uh, some of them. One of them include uh, the heading of the message board was Airbud. Is he even in it? With like three. Well, guess marks. what, folks? He's not. He's not. So, which is cool. I mean, whatever. Airbud's not in it. There's this like. Um, Bloodhound? Is that what they're called? They're the Bloodhound is the sh- the sheriff's dog? Yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, That cute little dopey-looking dog. Cute. Yeah. Anyways, there's dogs in this. So, um, this movie is like eight different movies. So yep. they need to find the magic, but now they also need to find Puppy Paws. But Puppy Paws is hanging out with these other dogs, being an asshole. Being such a fucking asshole. This dog, not only, and I, I'm sorry to say this, about animals or anything, but this dog is ugly. Puppy Paws is an ugly dog <laughs> with an ugly personality. <laughs> no, it's, you know, it's it's why I always say, like, there are some dog breeds, like Jack Russell's, where I'm convinced the only reason, like, they were made to be so cute is because they're awful dogs. Mm-hmm. And you're, like, so when you have, like, an ugly dog <laughs> that's also kind of a jerk, it's really hard to love that dog. And I'm a dog lover. Yeah. It's... It's a jerk. I like. I get that the dog. I'm putting a lot onto this dog, but the dog was making dumb faces. The dog was like sitting stupid. He's just stupid. Like I didn't like. I mean, it's your story of every like princess movie where it's you know, uh, born into royalty, and I just want to be normal. So I'm gonna screw everybody else and like really put everybody in in danger, and I'm just gonna go hang out with real people. The real people that don't even want to hang out with me because I'm such a dick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is uh, hard to get on the side of the protagonist in this movie. It really is. He's not likable. Nope. But that's fine. Like, whatever. Right, so yeah, we, I mean, you always talk about that. You don't need to be have you your hero be likable. You know, I don't know why. Because there is somebody really likable in this movie. Oh, I know. who You're, you're going to say it. Tiny. Tiny is the... Tiny made me cry <laughs> over and over again. So... I'm sure you know this because you're very good at doing your research, but Tiny is a tiny, cute little dog with a tiny, cute little voice. Do you know who's Tiny? Who voiced Tiny? It's the little girl. The little girl. So Tiny is adorable, and Zach wasn't paying attention when I was watching this. He was doing something else, but I said, oh my god, you have to look at this dog. I have found my favorite dog in this movie. Its name is Tiny. And he's like, oh, what a cute dog. And then Tiny's talking, and he's like, oh, so it's like a little kid. I said, yeah, it's a little girl. Wait a second. I think it's the little girl from the uh-huh. other movie. And he's like, no, it's not. So, of course, now I have to be like the asshole that runs to IMDC. <laughs> it's her. It's her. Um, and it was. It was her dumb yep. little voice. And, and she that, sings a song about Christmas. That So the littlest, and I forgave it all. I forgave yeah. everything. 
because that puppy's so fucking cute. I mean, cute. it's a fucking cute dog. It really and, is. And it, like, does this little head tilt thing. Yeah. And it's, oh, my God. Oh, and what's his face? Um, Christopher Lloyd's in this movie. Uh, Christopher <laughs> Lloyd plays the dog catcher, which, yes, we had a dog catcher in Santa Paws. Yeah. And... I mean, anybody that's ever seen a children's animal movie knows the dog catcher is a villain. Um, and Christopher Lloyd is doing like his, um, Dennis the Menace thing, mm-hmm. uh, where he's just like evil, but apparently all he ever needed was for a dog to lick him and that cures him of being evil. Yeah. Well, I mean, did you see that dog? Yeah. It was a fucking cute dog. I know. I know. So he puts, he puts Tiny in his coat at one point. Mm-hmm. Oh God. It's so yeah. cute. But then oh, let's talk tiny. about where Tiny ultimately goes, because there's another side character to this movie. So there's a little boy with a lift. And he's sick. He he's he's really cute though. He's cute. I mean, he's but he's got like he's got like a really like a speech impediment. Like, yep. oh, oh my god. Why? Which again, Santa Paws had a kid with a speech impediment. Well, I think that's what they think is cute. cute. On yeah, kids. no, you're right. Yeah. But then, like, the best is the dad The dad says, because he's trying to buy a dog, but he can't afford it. He's like, sir, my son is sick. And, like, the kid just keeps going. Like, it's that, like, Simpsons episode where there's, like, the little kids. And whenever they, like, show up, they're like, <laughs> like, yeah. that's the kid. He's like, I'd love to have a puppy. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, That kid is fine. But this is, again, there's too many so things happening. So because much. Because they still need to get the magic back, and where's Puppy Paws? And so the puppies end up. They have there's no not enough magic to fly the sleigh still, I guess. Well, because the but weird the, fucking creepy CGI reindeer are, are too heavy. The pu- but the puppies can pull dopey looking Puppy Paws on a on a sleigh. Yeah, somehow it's, the puppies are stronger than the CGI reindeer, which is fine. Whatever, maybe they have more magic or something. So they like run through the sky like dopes pulling that other dope and then they have to they have to dump bags of toys down lit chimneys that was mind-blowing <laughs> they were just dropping bags <laughs> and like into the fire so they're de- de- they're delivering gifts and now all those dogs the pu- the buddies families are like oh oh okay so i i can't believe i almost forgot to talk about this so all the buddies are in different families even though they're all related so there's five kids basically looking for their dog which is probably really upsetting on christmas so they all pray to santa claus (laughs) i forgot that i think like then i was done there's so much going on that i stopped taking notes they kneel down put their dumb little hands in front of their stupid little faces and they say santa Please bring our puppies like you're praying to Santa. I forgot that. You're right. And I wonder if it's because Disney never does overtly Christian stuff. Yeah. And I mean, Disney itself is, is, has done a lot of like pretty progressive things like there. And there's a lot of church groups that protest Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I wonder where that decision came from. If somebody was looking at it was like, you know, uh, like, let's try to appeal to the Christian demographic. Or if they mm-hmm. were like the reverse, they're like, "Whoa, guys, you wrote a Christian movie. We can't, we can't have them say that." Like, yeah. can you do something? What do you want? I don't know. You know what? In post, let's change Jesus to Santa Claus. Ever, just you know, control F, find and replace constantly. I don't know. It's weird. You're right. It's a very odd move. It it was it was bizarre. Yeah. And. And kind of out of nowhere, but mm-hmm. whatever. 
it's not the strangest thing in this movie. This is a very strange movie. Really I think I liked it less than the Santa Paws movie. I definitely did. Um, I'm trying to think of why exactly. It, I guess the charm wears off a little bit. Santa Paws is just such a, or not Santa Paws, Puppy Paws is just so unlikable. Well, Santa Paws isn't that likable either. In but this yeah. movie, you're right. He's, he's he, he, he didn't grow up well. I was hoping he would grow up, uh, I don't know, like he... You should have learned more or something. I don't know. Um, this one also kind of had more creepy CGI. Like, there's a CGI. Yep. Can we talk about the CGI breakdancing dog? Oh, and how it no. gave me nightmares? Because it was really upsetting. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't like, um, like, certain CGI. Like remember, like, the dancing baby on Ally McBeal? Freaks me the yeah. fuck out. I hate CGI babies. I find them really, really, really unsettling. And mm-hmm. when a puppy breakdance, guys, I know this sounds amazing. If I said a puppy break breakdances, you are like just, you have your computer open, you're ready to find this movie, but it's not pleasant. It's really unpleasant and uncomfortable. And I didn't like it. I didn't like it either. No, I like the yoga dog. I like the Buddhist dog. Like he was, he was really cute. Yeah, he was cute, and he had like really funny one-liners. And the whole like, because they do this thing where basically they're all trying to take turns um, entertaining puppy paws, and they all find him insufferable. Mm-hmm. And there's a great like, because he's of course meditating, and puppy paws is annoying. Um, but it's kind of funny because then like all the other dogs like assume the yoga dog, the, the Buddha dog is like, was able to handle it. And he's the first one to be like, nope, we're done. Nope. No more puppy paws. Yeah. Like, I love that it. was funny. I could take a movie about the Buddha dog. I liked him. He was cute and he had the most, um, or the least rather obnoxious like CGI. Yeah. You're or right. like, he, like when he, when he closed his little eyes mm-hmm. to like, Ohm, he looked like it a was, dog. he looked cute. He looked yeah, like a little dog like blinking. A dog. Some, some of it was too much. Mm-hmm. There was a lot more manipulation and CGI in this one. There was. Well, all of the reindeer Santa stuff, yep. every time, it felt like almost asylum-like in the level. Because it was so yep. not even trying to make this look real. This is, oh, reindeer are flying, hit the computers. Mm-hmm. like With, like, long shots of, yeah. like, a CGI car driving through CGI snow into a CGI building. Just no effort whatsoever. And I understand when you're doing these, you know, the fifth sequel or the ninth sequel to an Airbud movie, it's going straight to video. I, I don't expect it to be, um, you know, Steven Spielberg special effects. But if it's a Disney movie, I still expect a certain amount of professionalism. And I don't think we get that here in some yeah. of the uh, artwork, I guess, on display for us. Um, we do still get a couple of... Um, uh, for uh, national dogs uh, styled in the way of their nations. There's a French poodle wearing a beret. Yeah, and there's that fucking dog, like that Jamaican Welsh dog, yeah. dog yep. that they, ugh, that they decide it. looks like dread, so they give him, mm-hmm. yeah. But they don't make him talk, which I was thankful for. Yeah. Um, I also wrote in my notes, okay, so in the first movie I said that uh, a lot of the dogs looked really miserable. In this one, you know who looked miserable? All of the little people. Oh, yeah. Um, and all those workshop, yeah. like, scenes, for all sure. All of the elves, who are primarily, like, they have some kids, and then they have other, like, actors or just, you know, little people. It's the way they usually cast elves. Mm-hmm. They all look like either this was, like, the last, you know, they had done, like, ten of these movies earlier in the day, and now this is the last one. Or that... 
I don't know, they were like plucked from the bottom of the audition list and it's like, oh crap, everybody else canceled because we're paying them nothing. Hey, can you uh, build a toy in Santa's room? They all look miserable. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's and it's weird. Like where you like you really notice it. Like like did they know that they were being filmed? It kind of feels like they didn't. It feels like either they thought they were doing rehearsals or maybe the reverse. Maybe they had you know filmed this entire movie in a week and this was like the the 18th hour of the day and they were filming all their scenes in that one day and it's like yeah. okay guys be happy you're building toys and they all look miserable they couldn't as do fuck. it yeah. they could not summon the energy to be cheerful extras in Santa's workshop and it's like i'm glad you noticed it too because i no, thought i, was I absolutely it. did yeah it's it's weird um and again like I, I could accept that if this was the asylum, but it's Disney. Mm-hmm. Even though it's low-end Disney, it's still presented as Disney. Uh, I also wrote in my notes um, that at the very end, the oh, okay, so the final like <laughs> finale of this movie, the, uh-huh. little, the little boy, the little sick lisping boy, starts singing Silent Night. And oh, I was, oh boy! Okay. In my notes, I wrote, "This is the worst lip syncing since the first eliminations of RuPaul's Drag Race." It was so bad. It this kid opens his mouth, and all of a sudden, it's like an angelic soprano, and you know it's not this kid. But the kid also doesn't know how to lip sync, and they didn't teach him how to. Nope. So this poor little actor is like just like, ah, blah, 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 and and you're hearing. Uh, a church choir sing behind him and it's stupid and again Mm -hmm. lazy this is a very lazy movie (sighs) yeah yeah um and it's funny because then you have like christopher lloyd who's uh, credit to the man he doesn't phone this in no he's actually really like like obviously he's not supposed to be likable at one point but he's in it he's there he's totally playing and that's something I always really respect about actors is the actor who never looks down a material and clearly treats every job as if it is, a you know, take, like I, I can't remember if I was telling you about this. I was reading um, an interview with Brad Dorif and he was talking about like when he picks his roles and he said like there was one role he almost didn't take because he realized he would only have uh, like a week to prepare for it. And his thing was like he would never – start a movie that he wasn't prepared for that he hadn't researched yep. that he hadn't learned the lines and everything and i'm like that's good for him this for, the, for this actor that does a lot of you know cheaper made movies but yet clearly he still has a code and i feel like that's what christopher lloyd brings to this movie he is playing this token villain who's redeemed role where every time he's on screen i believe this man i believe his journey um, but at the very end, when he goes to the family, like, I'm sympathetic to him. And as stupid as this movie was, when he sits down to have Christmas dinner with this poor family with the dying child who's cured by a cute dog, there was a part of my heart that lightened a little bit. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Yeah, so it's a bright spot, definitely. <sighs> yeah, boy. Oh, boy. So, um, does this movie make you want to seek out the rest of the buddies? Do you want to see the origin of the buddies? Yeah, kinda. <laughs> oh, interesting. I'm fascinated, and I'm fascinated how they seem to use, even if it's not for the same roles, they seem to use the same voice actors and stuff. Right. Well, th- that was really interesting, was that that they used this little girl, 
And you know what I'm curious about now is what what year was Santa Paws? It was only like two years earlier. I mean, I guess it's also it's the same director, so I'm guessing um, you know he just or the studio has maybe I don't know if they still have people on contract for that kind of thing. But just a case of, you know who's got a cute voice? That little orphan yeah. girl. Let's see if her voice has changed. It hasn't great. Bring her in. She's in other um, She's in a bunch of them. type of dog movies, too. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> it's the voice, and sometimes I think as, you know, on as, screen. As a human person, yeah. <laughs> yes, a human person. Uh, it's, you know, it, it is a fascinating franchise. And... Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm sure, like, and that's like this is perfectly fine if you have little kids, or if like, I call this a babysitter movie because it's like when I used to babysit, I, I often felt like the parents left me with like the B grade movies, like they were gonna sit down and watch a good movie with, like they're gonna watch, I don't know, they're gonna watch Benji with their kid, but I'm gonna get stuck with the Search for Santa Paws Part Five, yeah, uh, and like it's fine for that because there's nothing. Over, aside from the appropriation of black culture, there's nothing overly offensive <laughs> about it. It's cute dogs. There's nothing that's scary. You can have it on in the background. Like, the way little kids watch movies where they watch them, then run away, then make you press play again. Like, it's fine for all of those reasons. Yeah. But it just, it feels lazier. It's not as charmingly weird as Santa Paws. Mm-hmm. And that character is such a dick. God. You're right. It's not... Not that Santa Paws was good. <laughs> it wasn't. It was just tolerable. And I guess, like, because it, it was kind of weird. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it, had it felt, it didn't feel lazy. Like, it felt no. like, you know, think of the set pieces. Think of the musical numbers in Santa Paws. Mm-hmm. Right? You had, like, five young girls that you had to choreograph doing a fantasy number where they turn into fairies. Like, there was effort in that movie to make it a musical, to make all these like fairly big sequences work. Like, yes, they filmed in Canada and didn't hide it. Like, but you know, they also assembled pretty good actors and voice actors and did set pieces. And this movie just feels like they just looked at, you know, okay, what, what, what do we have to film? What can we get away with, with computers? Okay, great. Oh, musical numbers? Uh, nothing big. Nothing big. And you just, it's lazier. And I mean, that's yeah. kind of the curse of a lot of sequels, much less direct to DVD sequels to direct to DVD movies made for kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such a, such a strange thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, my, my main takeaways were not nearly as fun, sort of disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it was stupid and that dog was dumb. Yes. Uh, I if, can't argue with any of those points. If I had taken notes, I would have been, it would have been that dog's a dope over and over again. Mm-hmm. And also why are those children praying to Santa Claus? And that's um, it. Um, I believe somewhere in my notes I have... I wrote down something about paws. So puppy paws is just annoying as fuck. That was my exact. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so bad. What a dope. Um, He does kind of look like an old dog I have though. So I give him a pass for that, but it's not, I mean, I said the same thing about Jar Jar Binks 
Um, so when the Phantom Menace came out, it was shortly after my, one of our uh, dogs named Mooster had died. And Mooster looked a lot like Jar Jar Binks. Like he was a very, had like weird long legs and was the same coloring and had these sort of like yellow brown eyes. So as much as I hate Jar Jar Binks because I'm a human being, there's a <laughs> part of me that gives him something of a pass because there's I look at him and every time I look at him I see this dog that I really loved mm-hmm. and that's kind of you know Paws like Paws looks a lot like my dog Ike who died I don't know five eight years ago but not enough like him where I like the animal yeah so, there let's rate it quality of film <sighs> 4.5? I was going to go 3.75. Yeah. Yeah. It's below average for me. Quality of life. God, the CGI dancing scenes. The cute dog at some points, but a lot of other oh, things. Ch- four. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go 3.25. That's not one that I'm looking to ever yeah. get again. And, like, I don't want to see the buddies do anything else. I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe there's a good one. Uh, People I know there, we have some uh, friends and listeners who are experts on the buddies movies. If there's some that are better than others, I'm sure, tell me some of the ones that are better than others. But I don't want to see B-Dog. I don't want to see Butterball. I don't want to see the girl. I just want to see Buddha. So, whatever that says. Yeah, I like that little dog. Yeah, Buddha was fun. All right. So incidentally, I had a cat named Buddha once. Um, didn't look like a golden retriever, though, so it doesn't help the movie at all. Uh, all right. That was Santa Buddies. Not Snow Buddies, not Santa Paws, not Santa Paws 2, but Santa Buddies. It is on Netflix Instant if you are so inclined to watch it. Netflix Instant, right? It was on Netflix? Yeah, that's... Okay. I mean, I think so. I like, just watched suddenly it. Suddenly, I'm like, wait, did I watch this on Netflix, or did I start watching Snow Buddies on Netflix, or were they both on Netflix? They both were. Okay. I think they both were, they yeah. Both were, yeah. All right. We are going to take a break, and we are going to come back and talk about the natural pairing, which is 1995, Todd Haynes' is Safe. <laughs> I had seen this once before. Mm -hmm. Um, This was one that I had read a lot about, and it used to be very hard to find. I think it was a long wait on Netflix back in the day, and I finally got it and watched it and really loved it, but didn't know what to make of it, but knew that it really spoke to me one way or another. 
And then Criterion recently put it out on a deluxe Blu-ray with commentary and some special features. <laughs> so I when I bought it at one of those half-price sales because I wanted I knew I wanted to revisit it, and I did. And this was your first time with it, right? It was. I like Todd Haynes though, so I wasn't mad at you for picking it. Well, good. I'm I'm glad you weren't mad. And uh, I was gonna get the Criterion from the library, mm. but apparently so was everyone else. Bastards. Yeah, um, they heard you were covering it, that's why. I was like third or fourth in line for it. Damn. Um I was a little bummed. So I think I just no, I think we might have gotten this one illegally. I'm not sure. I was gonna rent it from Amazon. I'm not sure how I ended up watching it. But yes, um thank you for picking something that I probably wouldn't have chosen to watch myself. Oh well good. Now with Todd Haynes, I've I have not seen everything. I haven't seen Carol yet and I haven't seen Far From Heaven or the Bob Dylan one, but I really liked Poison, which was his first movie. This was his second mm-hmm. one. Um and then what's the other one I'm forgetting? Isn't there another one? Looks like there's another one. I'm forgetting. I'm so good at research. Um, but so, I mean, Todd yeah, that Haynes, one with Julianne Moore with, oh, Far From Heaven, which I haven't seen because I've never seen a D- Douglas Sirk film. So I feel like I need to see those. So first. good. So good. Ugh. Nice. With this one, um, I mean, it's a very, it's an odd movie and I am really curious to hear what you made of it. So why don't you start by, and I want to say this is a movie that I think we're going to go into a lot of detail on and I don't want to, this is, we, we say this, I, I know we say this a lot, but like, I don't want to have to hold back from talking about things for fear of spoiling, but I don't think this is a very spoilable movie. No, I don't think so either. I mean, plot wise, there's like two big things that happen, but they're not that big. And I feel like we can, you can know everything about this movie and sit down and watch it and not necessarily lose anything from that. Um, if you don't want to know anything about it, then pause the podcast, go watch the movie. If you're in the Austin library system, you might have to wait for a few other people to watch it first. Like six months to see it. <laughs> um, but otherwise, like, I, I don't want us to hold back in talking about it. So I'm going to say that we are going to spoil things. But again, this really isn't a movie that, you know, rests on any of its plot points by any means. So with that said, Christine. Yes. Velvet Goldmine was the one it. I was that's thinking of that I, I couldn't about. get. There yeah. it is. And that's what he made um, after this one, I think. Is it? I, I think was so. literally just fucking looking at it. I think it was Poison Safe Velvet Goldmine. Yep. Velvet Goldmine was after this. Okay. Velvet Goldmine is a tremendous film. Yeah. But let's let's get back on track. And I also don't think you can spoil this because I don't think it's really about a narrative or no. like the plot it's kind of about the experience I of watching agree. it I absolutely not to be that. fucking pompous <laughs> no i know this this is another movie that like part of it because i've had this on my list forever for us to cover because i i knew it was one that i wanted to talk about i wanted to talk about it with you i wanted to hear what you had to say about it but i also was really worried i'm like this is a movie that it's hard to talk about without sounding really pretentious oh yeah absolutely and i watched this with the, i i watched it and then i watched it again with the comments Terry, the last two days, I just had it on in the morning. And it's fascinating because you hear, because it's Julianne Moore, Todd Haynes, and a producer talking about it. And somehow even like they're not pretentious at all in what they're saying. Like they actually are really fun to listen to. And they're really like, it seems like this was a really fun shoot and everything. And 
even then, like, they're not, they're so not pretentious, but the nature of this type of filmmaking, it's hard not to sound pretentious. So forgive us if we end up sounding pompous and pretentious for the next, you know, half hour. But tell us what happens, Christine. Um, geez, I don't know if I can tell you what happens, (laughs) because I don't know if I know what happens. Um, I feel like in a lot of ways, this movie was ahead of its time. And I feel like that if I, if someone had, or I, or someone, or anybody had watched this in 95, when it came out, they would have had a very different reaction to it than today because i think there are some aspects of this movie that are played i don't want to say played and i played for an effect i guess that it's of now a little too true Very for much. that effect to have been effective um so basically julian moore the first the first portion of this movie is us watching julian moore deteriorate um and we don't really know why Mm-hmm. I guess, I mean, I guess you never really know why, do you? No, I don't um, think you do. So she just just watching her deteriorate. So it's an extremely difficult movie to watch in that regard because she, she really does look like a little slip of a woman. Oh, she looks, yeah. and I don't really think of her as like a petite, tiny, frail person like some people are just smaller and they seem small she never and came that's across like that to so, me i mean this is a movie that i think and i know like because julianne moore is one of those kind of actresses almost like a meryl streep type i think in some ways where she has done so many she's given so many of these like great performances in movies that people don't see or that people kind of hear the synopsis of and they're like, oh, God, that sounds pretentious. Mm -hmm. And so I think she has this very actorly um, reputation. But watching her in this, watch her in this and then watch her in anything else. And because we were we've been watching 30 Rock. We've been on her season. And my God, do you realize how good she is? Because, I mean, the way she speaks in this movie is is an entire you could teach an acting lesson in the way she talks and write papers about it. Because, again, talk about being ahead of its time. She speaks in Upspeak the entire movie. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. It's and so, and it's something that, like, I, Upspeak is something I've only heard talked about the last few years. But she had so deliberately looked at this part and said, I know how this woman speaks. And she talks about it. It doesn't sound like Julianne Moore. This does not sound like her voice in any other movie she did because she crafted the voice of this woman to fit this tiny floating away. Like she lost a lot of weight for it and she's already very small. Um, But the way she transforms herself is so fucking good. Mm -hmm. It. It, it's 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 shocking and it's upsetting. So full disclosure, I um, this found this movie very upsetting. Um, I burst into tears at one point. Oh. There's some things about it that are a little too close to home for me. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, there's aspects of you know gaslighting in it. Yeah. Um, people not believing that there's anything wrong with her. Um, I had no idea what this movie was about. So Julianne Moore's getting sicker and sicker. Um, I pick up on weird shit really quick. I think it's absolutely disgusting when people just drink straight milk. It's just a personal thing. I think it's really gross. Like everyone to each their own, everyone has their thing. I don't, I don't get it. So of course I'm going to notice the first time she's drinking a glass yeah. of milk. So the second time, yeah, 
what is going on? The third time? Do you realize it's the third glass of milk she's had? <laughs> so when she's not feeling well, I crack the joke kind of uncomfortably, like, I bet she has a dairy allergy because I, I have a dairy allergy. Right. Um, and and when it starts to kind of um, unravel that this is like like her her world is basically eating away at her um, and making her sick, I lost my fucking mind. This movie is about someone who is allergic to everything and cannot live in their world. Yeah. It is awful. Yes. <laughs> it is the most awful. So, of course, there's, like, allegorical and metaphorical and all that shit. There's under undercurrents of other stuff. But, like, literally, at face value, this movie is about someone who just randomly starts getting sick yeah. because of just stuff. And um, there's, the scene, there's a scene where she's telling her friend who i could have sworn was jolie richardson she looks like her could have i would have been money does actually look a lot like her so it's not because i looked but um she's telling so the movie is super like super dated and it's super well it's set 1985 i mean the movie takes it was made in 95 but no it's 85 or 80 89 i think it's set in like 1988 1989 it's set in the late 80s and it looks like it is. It yep. has a very 80s aesthetic, and yes. it feels like a very deliberate 80s aesthetic. Oh, it is, yeah. And Julianne Moore's character is super fashionable, and she's very, like, it's 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 almost a cliche version of what we remember the 80s to be. Right. Um, and, I mean, it's, it is, like, okay, this movie takes place at a time, but when there isn't, there's a definite shift in Julianne Moore's character where she goes from very, like, confused and not feeling well and no one seems to know what's wrong with her and maybe she's just tired to, like, being, to almost, like, owning what she feels is, is, is wrong. Like, I have this problem and this problem and this problem. And she's sitting at lunch with this woman who is her friend and it's almost like a switch has flipped and it is not as stylized and it is not as mm-hmm. 80s and she doesn't look like this person from like a homemaking catalog mm-hmm. in 1986 she looks like a, a lady a human being and she's yeah. she's gaunt and she has no makeup on and she's just rattling off all the things she can't be near or can't eat or just found out uh, bother her and i just i was laughing crying like a hysterical crazy person <laughs> because it was so funny and so relatable but so fucking upsetting yeah like i've had that conversation nobody likes me nobody wants to listen to that they don't want that and and she doesn't want to be saying it but she feels like she needs to justify absolutely everything about herself now <laughs> and it's just so upsetting <laughs> oh. well and the way because she is such like and i think again this is a movie that like i would say to any actor watch this movie and you'll understand how to give a huge performance that is so um what's the word the opposite of vain because she is never as an actor trying it's not about like how you know how good she looks it's that she's not being big she's not Mm -hmm. overplaying anything she's playing everything in this woman as this woman that is doesn't have a personality and doesn't have a a kind of not like a soulless woman 
But so much of it in the beginning is that she's kind of just, you know, like floating through life and she's not attached to anything. Mm-hmm. And her, like, you know, she wore that everything she worries about in part because she is just a wealthy housewife. You know, it's, oh, my God, this is the wrong couch or the wrong color. It's the worst thing that could happen to her. And it, it she doesn't. It is so um, restrained in many ways. Because yeah. it's clear that Julianne Moore is not playing this character another actor could play this character and win an oscar and like granted this was a you know independent film it got attention but didn't get enough but it's not even that like oh well she you know she should have been nominated it's not that another actor would have come in and played this part in a way where everything was big or it was small and then it was big and she knows not to do that because it's not calling for that and this character never gets to that point. And when she comes, she comes close to it and then she falls right back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at a certain point in the movie, you know, it, it shifts again when she thinks she's found the answer. She thinks, oh, I need to go. I'm allergic to modern things. I need to go to this yeah. resort, this kind of um, hippie commune mm-hmm. place where there's no electricity it looked really fun oh god and i think again that's <laughs> it's so brilliant because for the first like 10 minutes you're like this is good for her okay yeah okay and then very quickly you start to realize no this isn't the answer and so i don't want i don't want to completely derail you but i i feel like i'm gonna forget if i don't bring it up right now so there is a level of hopelessness to this because oh, yeah. you think this is a good place. This is a good thing. And then she's running and there or walking and there's a car like, and you're like, Oh no, she's not far enough away from anything. None of them are far enough away from anything to make anything matter. So I, I got that feeling. And then I, and it had to be deliberate, but you listen to the commentary. So I guess you can tell me, um, the, the constant sound of like planes overhead oh, yeah oh yeah that's a, a big i mean that's very it made deliberate. me so fucking uncomfortable yeah. because also it's everything is inescapable and everything is hopeless mm-hmm. that's basically what this movie is but it also ends on a very hopeless no so i guess it balances that well see and i don't think the i think the end is hopeless. i don't think i think oh. one could interpret it that way tried to think of it as hopeful <laughs> I, to me it's not because i think um well one of the things is so she's in this commune and it's run by um god i forget that actor's name uh i always know him from the guy from the brooklyn the dad from the brooklyn bridge he's in everything peter or something right mm-hmm. uh and, you know, he's kind of the guru of this new age kind of place. And his thing is, and we'll talk about AIDS because that's actually a big part of the movie, even if it's not. Yeah. Um, but he's, you know, saying his thing is I'm I'm HIV positive. I have AIDS, but I've managed to basically I'm healthy because I don't think about it. And I've, you know, you can train yourself to get past this. And which, I mean, obviously we know is bullshit you can't like there's something to positive thinking but no like you need to take medication and you need to trust in science and all that um but there's also just one cut that kind of tells you everything you need to know which is uh when uh her carol's husband comes to visit and they're walking and he's like oh what's that she's like oh that's uh peter's house and you look and it's this beautiful mansion built far and you're like oh Okay, yeah, no, not not the utopia that, you know, we, we think, because clearly he's benefiting from it. So even if it's still positive and everybody there, like, you get the feeling that this is really helping a lot of the people in that 
room and in that camp. Mm-hmm. And hey, James LeGros is probably better off for being there. It's like, yeah, but it's still not real. So if somebody, you know, if there's somebody like Carol that, you know, really is still suffering, this is not, this isn't the cure because this is bullshit too. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, the, and a couple of other fun people show up too. Cause did you recognize Jessica Harper? No. She's one of the ladies in the camp towards the end. Oh, when really? Like, yeah. When they're sitting around telling kind of, you know, telling stories in therapy, Jessica Harper is there. I did not. Mm-hmm. That was exciting. Beth Grant shows up at one point. And Dean huh. Norris is one of the movers. And I thought it was him, but I'm like, yes, I did. Yep. Yeah. I did. I did notice him. So that was pretty cool. Um, in, as far as AIDS, cause I think that's, it, it is a, a part of the movie. Um, cause Todd Haynes is like, he, he came out of the, I guess what is called the queer cinema movement and mm-hmm. poison, which you haven't seen poison. Have you? I have not. No. I think you would really love it. It was his first film outside from the, um, superstar Barbie, Karen Carpenter movie. Uh, but poison is this, it's like three different stories told in different styles. And one of them is like a sci-fi movie. Um, but it's, I mean, it is very much a gay movie of the late 80s where that was a kind of new independent movement. And in this movie, you get really subtle hints. And one of the things is the fact that the movie is set in 1987, which why set a movie? Why do that? Because it's 1995. It's not like you're setting it. It's not even 10 years earlier that you're setting this movie. And it's not, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing significant in the world that happens. Um, there's there's talk in the movie about uh, race relations and stuff. But this is pre-Rodney King and everything. And I think the significance is in a lot of ways, aside from I think probably the color palette and kind of the style, is that it makes it easier for it to be to have themes of exploring AIDS without it having to be about that. Yeah. Um, So you have the conversation when she goes over her friend's house in the beginning and they're talking about the friend's brother has died. Yes, 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 yes. And it's this entire conversation and it, she never says he died of AIDS. Mm -hmm. What she said, what happens is Carol says, was it? And she says, no, no, no. Everybody thinks that because he wasn't married. Yeah. 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 And, you know, if this movie wasn't set in 85 or 87, I might not have thought that. But as soon as she says that, I'm like, oh, no, he he, he had AIDS. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's definitely there. And I think even from – I read something where the – I don't know if you can hear my cat. She has a lot to say about the movie. <laughs> uh, the – that I think the character of um, the guru – I really wish I wrote his name down, but I didn't. So – but the guy in charge of the cult, um, and in, in him saying, you know, oh, I've, I've positive thought my way to, to a cure to AIDS, was sort of based on this uh, woman, female writer, who wrote a book saying she had AIDS, that she was able to think past it, and how that pissed Todd Haynes off so much that he was like, no, that's yeah. bullshit, and I need to mention that. Um, yeah, so, it's, I mean, there's, there's a lot, and I, I love a movie that is about a lot and says so much, even if the screenplay for this movie is probably very short, you know, cause there's not a lot of talking in this movie. It's, you don't there's not, it. but it, so I watched this like late at night too. Well, not late at night, but late for me. Like I started it, I think at like nine on a school night. I didn't 
fall asleep. I didn't, my eyes yeah. didn't start to close. Like it's sure it might be slow. It might, it's, it is very quiet at times. You can't, you can't make dinner and watch it. Like you, no, no. like there's, there's so much story and just what we're being shown yeah. and sometimes what we're not seeing. Yep. Um, so you, you have to pay attention to it, but I didn't feel like it was a chore. It wasn't like, oh, I have to slog through this, this I, quiet, yeah. slow moving. I'm really glad you said that. Cause I worry because it is a quiet and slow movie mm-hmm. that I think many, a person would find it boring. Yeah. Uh, and I think if you know what you're getting into, I don't think you will. And I think, I mean, to me, this does weave a spell over you. And a good part of that does come from the look. That helps a lot. Uh, just because your eye is always absorbing this world that isn't quite right. Yeah. Even though it's supposed to be about a, nor- you know, it's just L.A. in the 80s. But it feels wrong and everything feels like it means something. Uh, and it does, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the commentary is really cute because Todd Haynes talks. He he tries not to talk about it, but Julianne Moore keeps bringing it up. She's like, "Oh, this was your uncle's house, right? Oh, is this your mom's house? That like all of the interiors of the homes are his family members' houses. <laughs> uh, that there was, I mean, this was low budget, and so they, you know, made everything work. And like that's great because everything looks right. And, like, the one kitchen is his grandparents' kitchen, and he's like, yeah, we just needed to, like, make it starker. So they just had to add a few things. He's like, but you can tell it's a grandparents' kitchen. But watching, I'm like, no, I couldn't until you said that. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah. Um, and, like, the way I'm, like, trying to run through some of the notes I wrote, uh, the way we're saying how it's both uh, when it, you know, made a – made in 95 about 1987 but yet you watch it now and there's it feels so relevant and it Mm -hmm. i you know it feels like it could have been made today um and like the way but i feel like if it was made today it would be kind of snide it would be it would be obvious maybe and like no people don't talk about like it's a joke now like oh do you want some free range gluten-free salt on your on your soy shake or some stupid shit like people are snide about it and it's like an old dumb joke if you make a joke and and, right at this point the only people talking about gluten are sitcom jokes like it's fucking it's it's like a kevin can wait joke not a kimmy schmidt joke (laughs) yeah so it it this to me since it there was almost a bit of fantasy i think surrounding how extreme this was that is not so fantastical right now, especially to me, mm-hmm. that that made it more relevant than I think if somebody yeah. tried to make something relevant right now. Yeah. Well, even just, you know, the way, uh, like, there's something to, there is always some kind of disease out there that we don't know and don't understand and are terrified by. Like, look at Zika last year or... Ebola the year before or um, swine flu and Mm. all those different uh, like mass diseases that become a huge part of our lives and our media and everything else. And we understand them with nothing. And then in five years, we forget about them. Yep. And to an extent, like that's part of it. I think when you watch this, like I was thinking of those things, but yet it's so much more ominous because in this it's that, you know, you could, you can interpret this movie as, as any of those diseases or, or as not, you could watch Mm -hmm. it and say, no, she's not sick. It is all in her head. 
uh, everything, you know, all her seat, you know, her, um, you know, her, uh, she's having panic attacks. She's not sick. She's not, you know, it, she can breathe. It's just a panic attack. Mm-hmm. I think you could interpret it that way. I don't think that's, I mean, I absolutely think, no, like something is wrong with her. And even if it isn't physical, it is that wrong that it manifests physically and it is, it, it is a disease. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I th- it's, it's one that I think you could watch and you could argue about. And I, I that's one of the things I love about this is it doesn't give you any answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that ending, uh, when, you know, because earlier, uh, the other woman who I love, who's in a bunch of things, the bigger woman, the redhead, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she tells uh, Carol, oh, here's how I deal, learn to deal with this. I looked in the mirror and I said, I love you. I love you. And at the end, to me, you know, Carol basically has moved farther away from everyone uh, when her husband and stepson, which that's a whole thing, too. And yeah. I tried to figure out, I'm like, why is it a stepson? Why isn't it her son? And they talk about it in the commentary, and it's so simple. Like, what, what's your theory on it? I don't know. I didn't really give it that much thought. Like, I couldn't quite understand, because I'm like, it's such a deliberate choice. Yeah, right? for sure. And what they say, it's that, well, it's because she doesn't really have anything of her own. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it does add to that level of detachment. Yeah. Uh, and so when they come to see her at the very end, it's just, they're so detailed. Like the kid doesn't even want to look at her. Um, and Xander Berkeley is like, just trying, it's kind of trying, but you, you can tell like, he's so ready to just be he's done. He's over it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so like, she's just getting farther and farther from everything. And when she gives the speech at the dinner, when it's her birthday, that scene oh. is so amazing. Yeah. Cause first they dance, which is great. Cause everybody dances. Um, and then like, you know, she kind of gives a thank you speech and the entire time she's trying to say, you've really helped me. Uh, but it's to me so clear that she's really still trying to please the people around her. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's still that, that up speak, that voice where there's nothing, there's no confidence in it. It's totally her rambling and she keeps going and to me, that is her trying to just, fit, I'm uh, trying to fit in, trying to make it seem okay. Say the right thing. Like, yeah. yeah, and then it's yeah. the same when she goes into that room. I mean, and I guess you could look at it as she's trying to love herself. But to me, when she says, I love you, it still has a question mark in her voice. You know, yeah. I, you know I always think I'm an optimist, but I think when it comes to movies, I, I sometimes am such a pessimist. You err on the side of pessimism. I think. In this one, I do. Um, and I, I mean, I, but I, but again, I think that's just the way I took it. I, I don't think you have to. I like that you see hope there because I think that's I, much prettier. I think maybe if I didn't, then I would be, you know condemning myself to a bit of okay. hopelessness if I didn't at least I don't know I'd like to think that maybe <laughs> things turn out okay does um what kind of uh cologne does Zach use does it make you sneeze does it no <laughs> no I'm not too bad with smells okay, it's mostly good. just ingesting things okay yeah but, I mean, we live in – it's 2017 now. That's, like, easy and stuff, right? Everything's <laughs> gluten-free and all that stuff. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. Um, 
the yeah I, yeah no I feel bad for being so feeling so negatively at the ending but uh, yeah and again I think that's just my take I like you you can have the other take we can be a yin I, and yang I mean maybe if I rewatched it I would have a completely different take I think by the end I was ready to not give up on it Good. yet I like that well and I think again it is so it, it is such a sparse movie deliberately mm-hmm. that they don't tell you any and I love that they don't they don't tell you this guy's a fraud they just give you that one picture to say well maybe he is mm-hmm. right they don't um tell you that uh you know this is in her head you can it's very it is very much up to the audience yeah uh, and that's very deliberate because otherwise they could be more specific about things and they're not mm-hmm. and i think that's such a credit to the movie because it means you can keep thinking about it and i the, i mean the first time i saw it i i i just didn't know what to make of it i just knew it really fascinated me and it was powerful but i didn't quite know what it all meant mm-hmm. i still don't know that i do I, I feel like i should watch this every five years and see where it sits with me I'm sure you'd get something different out of it yeah. each time i as well yeah definitely um, want to hear a fun fact about that I learned from the commentary? Yes, please. Okay, so Julianne Moore was—they were talking about because um, Ju- Julianne she had done shortcuts right before this, so she was getting some attention for that. But with this movie, like she had gotten the script to audition and she read it, she's like, "God, I want this movie," and she auditioned and like ha- even had the Carol voice, and um, you know, instantly Todd Haynes was like, "Yes, you're right for this." But so after the movie ended it had like some festival life but julianne moore couldn't go to sundance you know why why because she was filming another movie that we've covered on this podcast do you remember what it was what What other early uh mid 90s julianne moore movie that we talked about here why can't i remember i'm trying i don't know i think you kind of picked it you might have picked it as a joke and i thought you really picked it so then we ended up covering assassins I don't even remember. Assassins. It's the one with Sylvester Stallone and oh Antonio God, I totally, and the cat. I totally blocked it out. <laughs> I love um, that Julianne Moore went from safe to assassins. Like, I hated that movie. I liked parts of it. It just went on forever. And I think really I didn't make it. sense. Well, I think I liked Antonio Banderas in it. And we liked yeah, the cat, I mean, right? He's good. Everything, right? Didn't, like she have a cat and kept bringing the cat everywhere. Yeah, she was. Uh, she was her. I, she was now crazy. I remember. Yeah. Now I. Re- it's all coming back. Boy, I just like purge stuff from my brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in fairness, if you have to, I always think of the brain as like a bucket that gets filled. Yeah, so I. Yeah, like I try to be kind of selective about what things I really have to focus on remembering. And mm-hmm. if you're going to lose something, I think you're allowed to lose assassins. I think, you know. Okay. Thank you. It's for not going to help you on Jeopardy anytime soon. You're you're good without it. Um but I just found that little tidbit of trivia very amusing for us. That is was, that is very amusing. Yeah. You um, like a certain era of um Yep, yep. Julianne Moore. Yeah. Well, this was like right when she was kind of cuz I think um the Hugh Grant baby movie was it nine months I think it's like 96 97 so I was like this was kind of right when she was becoming a star uh but 
I, I really like urge people if you haven't seen if especially if you're like you just don't get the appeal of her because <laughs> I feel like for some reason a lot of people don't like think she's kind of overrated or yeah, just don't right. get the appeal of her just watch her in this movie and listen to the way she speaks and how her voice changes depending on who she speaks to like the scene where she sees a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. um where she is sitting in a therapist's office her therapist is a guy about 20 years older than her and the entire time she is talking like a little girl to a teacher and it it is really remarkable how how good she is in this movie Mm -hmm. and specifically good like you can and not in like a try hard way where you could see her thinking about the part like no it's just really really a feat of acting when you see what she's doing in this part yeah (sighs) yeah um so you like this movie then i did like it yes i'm really glad i thought i would i mean it seemed just like it would it was going to work for me. Well, as so. I said, I expected that you would either love it or hate it. Hmm. And I, well, I felt, I'm like, I think she's going to love it, but it could be a movie where if it, um, if you like, can't like get into it from the start, it just ends up feeling, might end up feeling very boring. Yeah. I, I can see that. Um, I was completely on board right Good. from the beginning. Oh, so I'm glad to hear that. Good. Woo. Good yeah. pick. Yeah. Was this our first Xander Berkeley? Um, maybe. If you ask me what else he's in, I can't tell you, but well, I, I know. I know him. Right. Oh, do you now? Not like in a sex way. Oh, well. <laughs> Julianne Moore did in this movie. Oh, man. Oh. Um, I always like him, too. And he's he's deceptively good as well at playing... Uh, like a normal guy. Yeah, that's he's a really good example of like you know the point that you were making about um it, it never really gives you too the movie never gives you really too much information to go on like you never know for sure if the guy who you know runs the commune or whatever is really like you know a bullshitter yeah yeah pulling a fast one or if he really believes it like it lay it, it plants seeds but like. I think, like, in real life with anything, you can find things that support your theory and then right. you can you can find things that don't. Um, but he is a good example of that because there were moments where I really wanted to dislike him, but mm-hmm. he there was no overt reasons to. And a lot of the times he was reacting kind of maybe not as gracefully as he could have, but in an understandable way. Yeah, because you, you feel for him because he's going yeah. through a pretty shitty time. Yeah, it, so he was really like I kept and I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop with him. Like he, it, you find out he's actually cheating on her. Yeah. I guess I'm just trained to because yeah, a lesser things. movie it would have been so easy to write him off and just to have him yep. you know roll his eyes at what she does. But they play he's, it. He's perfectly. really trying. He's really trying, but yet you feel like. You know he's he's also kind of doubting her and doesn't really buy that she's really sick, mm-hmm. and you but you understand why he thinks that, and I think it's really remarkable that uh, the way Todd Haynes never lets you kind of both both see somebody's point of view and not trust them in a sense. 
and I, it, it just makes everything a little on one hand it makes everything a little more uncertain which go works for the tone of the movie but it also just makes it more human and more complicated because that's mm-hmm. how people are yeah yeah all right so do you have more to say or should we go ahead and rate it <sighs> no well, i mean i could probably talk about it forever but nothing specific so we can we can rate it okay so quality of film uh 8.5 yeah i'm i'm torn i'm hovering between 8.75 and 9 because i really feel like this is a excellent excellent movie and i don't think i would change anything about it um i'm just i'm gonna give it a nine yeah i mean i'd have i'd have to um I definitely have to watch it again mm, sure. and think about it. But yeah, I think I think it could go higher. Yeah, this one for me and is really growing with watching and time and thinking about it. Yeah, uh, it. I think there's just a lot to unravel, and I and I don't feel like you know I'm at the point where I unraveled all of it. I think in, like mm-hmm. like I said, five ten years, I'm going to come back to it. Um, and it makes me realize I should really watch more Todd Haynes movies. I should run the gamut there. You should. I, I need to get, I need to get over my Rooney Mara hatred and just watch Carol. I know that. Uh, quality of life. It's a hard one. Nine. Yeah. Um, I'll just go nine too, because it, again, like it's not one that I want to like rewatch constantly because it's not very fun. But I think I appreciate so much of it, and I really feel like it's a movie I can use as an example for so many things of what to do and not do in making a movie. Mm-hmm. Cool. So that was Wow, safe. good pick. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It is um, – I guess you can rent it on Amazon. Uh, the Criterion Blu-ray is great. It has commentary. has a uh, interview, like a 40-minute conversation between Todd Haynes and Julianne Moore. That's, like, really sweet. I didn't watch all of it, but it seemed fun. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's a good investment at the next half off sale, I guess. Hmm. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, all right. So instant watch picks. What you got, girl? Woo. Um, so mine is a Netflix instant recommend. Okay. Um, and it is a movie that is somewhat new. I think maybe 2014 that people were like screaming about how good it was. And I was like, I'm not going to go see that in the theater. It's probably not that good. Um, and then just on a whim decided to put it on and it's the best movie I've ever seen in my life. Oh, oh boy. That movie is called Paddington. Oh! And it is, it, and it is about a bear. It is about it a is, bear. So it does that thing at the beginning, like how I couldn't watch Up because I almost threw up. Yeah. Um, it does that thing at the beginning oh, where no. it absolutely destroys you. It decimates you. It makes you oh, care no. too much and then takes it all away. Um, but if you can get past that... It's really charming and sweet and funny and clever and Nicole Kidman's in it and she's amazing. And the little bear is really cute. The bear is Ben Wishaw. Oh, I Um, love him. And he's just, it's just real, real good. Um, I think we might have watched it on Christmas. I don't know why. It was really weird. And Zach was a little like, I'm not going to like this. This is going to be a dumb, (laughs) dumb kids movie. And he was like, just couldn't just couldn't stop gushing about how good it was. It was good and it was earnest, but it wasn't super sweet. And ugh, I cannot recommend it enough. 
not, I remember people, some people going crazy for it a few years ago yes. and saying the same thing. And it was like people who were, who were like either had kids or just were not the people that talk about kids movies saying this is so good. Um, but I had kind of never thought to watch it. Cause I, again, I'm the same way. Like uh, we were, I think there was a, oh God, what was it? Babe was the answer to a Jeopardy question the other day. And as soon as I said that out loud, I was like, babe, oh babe. Cause I just started thinking about how much I cried in that movie. <laughs> Uh, but I should I should give it a go. I'll do. Yeah, this one's a, it's it's a little sad, but okay. it's it's good. Okay. All right. I'll cry. I will totally cry. Yeah, you will. But then it'll be okay. All right. All right. I can handle that. All right. Mine is also a Netflix instant recommend. Um, I've been I talked about it a bit on Facebook, so some people probably already know. Okay, Christine. Um, some things I like in movies. I like uh, ballet. I like street dancing. I like uh, street dance fights, right? Like street, all this checks like out dance, so far. Dance gangs. I really like dance gangs. Um, I like like classical music. I like um, you know like violins and stuff. Um, I like uh, breakdowns, like where a character is um, you know like suddenly uh, can't handle life and you know might might fall off a ledge kind of thing. Uh, I like movies that are set in New York but are totally not filmed in New York. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like when movies are not only set in New York but are set in my own neighborhood specifically. Yes. These are getting more and more specific. I only get everything wrong about my neighborhood. Uh, And oh my God, is there a movie on Netflix Instant called High Strung? Christine. High Strung is about this girl who's a ballerina who moves to New York City on scholarship. And her roommate's another ballerina on scholarship. And she meets a British violinist busker um, who is an amazing violinist, uh, but is in the States illegally. Okay. Um, But he, like, is playing his violin on the subway and there's a dance. Oh, oh, oh. And he lives in Inwood, which is my neighborhood, in a loft when there's no lofts in my neighborhood. No lofts. Um, but underneath him lives the friendliest gang of just street dancers. Oh. And they're just like instantly like, hey, you play the violin. Why don't you come hang out with us? We're going to show you how we dance. And they do. Um, and then, of course, the um, school. What year is this movie from? Like 2015, I think. Like, it's really okay. recent. Uh, the school that she's going to has a competition every year for um, musician, classical musicians and dancers. Like, that's not a thing, but they do it here. Nope. Because in the movie, that means that she can dance, he can play the violin, and the street dancers can dance behind her. Um, I forgot to mention there's a scene earlier that's a dance fight. It's a dancing – dancers are dancing – and two guys are violining off. They're playing the violin and they're Fuck like, you. Violining off violin isn't off. even. Oh my God. No. And at one point while they're playing, it gets into a tense that they start sword fighting with their violin bows. And you mean to tell me this is all available for me to watch instantly? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I started watching it at the gym. I had the best workout of my life at the gym because I was like, every time a musical sequence came on, I'm like, oh my God, elliptical. Let's, let's do it. Let's hit seven. Let's do it. Yeah. 
this movie is amazing. And like at one point her roommate starts dating a guy that seems like bad news. And the very next scene, she's like crying and broken down. And the roommate's like, you're a dancer. Act like it. She's like, okay. And then that's, that's it. Clearly like she was supposed to be pregnant or was supposed to be like be on drugs, but nope, they didn't have time for it. So no, it's out. Um, there's a stodgy, but lovable Russian ballet master who's all like rough, but really like kind hearted. Jane Seymour is in it as a ballet master. Yeah, this was the greatest movie I've ever. I mean, Pat, you said Paddington's for you. High Strung was for me. Um, that made me tired just hearing about. Oh my it. god, just watch it. Watch it the next time you go to the gym. Put it on. It will change your life. This movie was everything I have ever wanted in a movie. No talking animals. I guess it's the one thing it didn't have. But it it was everything. Everything, Christine. Oh man. Okay. I I believe you. <sighs> um. So you actually get to pick the next movie for next episode. Otherwise, I'd just say High Strung. Uh, have, <laughs> do you have any thoughts or should we wait and, and surprise announce it? Yeah, I do not. I actually have not thought about this at all. Okay. Do you want to pair it with another talking animal movie? Yes. Or have you had enough? You have. No. You want to pair it with another I'll, talking animal movie? I will never have enough. All right. So our next episode, we'll announce it on Facebook a little bit once we figure out what it is. Maybe It'll be a Christmas talking animal movie. Yeah, let's get it. Yeah, because I mean, Christmas is over. I wonder if there's any Valentine's Day ones. I'm sure we could find one. Also, at some point we're going to rewatch, or you haven't watched it, but I'm going to rewatch WrestleMania, the wrestling one. Yeah. That little girl is in WrestleMania. Of course she is. It's the same director, I think. I loved that movie. (laughs) It's got a a theme song. Um, I'm not going to argue with watching a movie about a Jack Russell who wrestles. I'm not. Oh, he's so cute. Yeah, I'm not arguing that. Oh, it's called Russell Madness because they couldn't call it WrestleMania. Oh, yeah, they'd get sued. It's Russell Madness. uh, Gets what he can get. Sorry. But I'm pretty sure the theme song is WrestleMania. Do you just want to say that we're going to cover that next week? Can we cover? Okay. So one of the movies is going to be Russell Madness. Christine, (laughs) I am leaving it up to you. You think of what would be a good thematic pairing with Russell Madness. Oh, can I pick right now? Go for it. Um... Can we do, and this this makes sense in my head, and I think you'll get it immediately. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've been meaning to rewatch it. I think it's called Hide and Seek, the horror movie with Kane in it. Uh, no, 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 you're thinking of, um, oh God, uh, See No Evil? Oh my God, See No Evil, you did it, you did it, you rescued me, you pulled me from the brink. I did, I, I, do you want, now, they made a sequel to it, you know, the Sasuke sisters made a sequel to it. Yeah, that's kind of why I'm watching, I want to see the other one, because I want to watch the other one other one i want to see them both again okay so try to say to you should we do all three movies i don't know do you have seven hours to talk about i can't that's that's fair this could be the longest episode we've ever recorded all right tentatively we're doing see no evil and russell madness maybe we'll do an addendum and add see no evil part two Hide and seek. Let's hide and seek. I don't know what I'm thinking, but at least you knew what I was talking about. Oh, I did. I did. I got you covered, girl. I got you covered. I have seen it. I just don't remember it. Oh, yeah. I saw it a while back, and this was this will be fun because this is one of those movies that um, I, I knew existed but didn't know enough about, and this was like one of those very early in dating my now husband uh, mm-hmm. him talking about, and then it was one of those like when I finally watched it, it was like a, a – a good like early first conversation for us about all the details of a um you know wrestling horror movie mm-hmm. oh and then there's okay then there's a movie called grizzly park that's about a 
killer bear that weirdly has the same exact plot only with a bear in the part of Kane. Yeah, I think I, I think I know about that. Yeah, this is going to be a nine-hour episode, so I hope <laughs> you're ready for it. Uh, Let's just Russ- make a list of movies. <laughs> Russell Madness is on Instant Watch, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Uh, I don't know about the Sino Evils, but we'll find them. Don't worry. Uh, that's that's what we got. Okay, done. Right, we did it. Starting 2017 off with a bang. Oh, boy. I guess you could call it that. <laughs> I think at one point a dog pees in his eye socket. In Russell Madness. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Definitely Russell Madness. <laughs> That's the credit sequence. Very All nice. right, folks. If you want to get a hold of us, come to the Feminine Critique Podcast. No. What is it? Facebook. That place where people go to be friends. On yep. Facebook. The group, you search for The Feminine Critique, and we're there, um, or tweet at Feminine Podcast, and we're occasionally there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Happy New Year, and um, snow puppies. Goodbye. <laughs> Feel that? Oh shit. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Open up your head and let it flow into me. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. You mother, get up, come on, get down with the sickness. You fucker, get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Madness is the gift that has been given to me. I can see inside you the sickness is rising. It seems that all that was good has died. Oh no, the world is a scary place. Now that you've woken up the demon in me. Bobby, will you give it to me? Two, three, four. (laughs) Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. You mother, get up, come on, get down with the sickness. You fucker, get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Open up your hate and let it Machine. Jimmy Kimmel, Adam Carolla, welcome back the to the last The ladies call. go nuts for this Richard Cheese. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>